From the age of Big Brother. From the age of the Dawn Police. From a dead man. Greetings. Coronavirus is the biggest threat this country has faced for decades. We're seeing the devastating impact of this invisible killer. There will come a moment when no health service in the world could possibly cope because there won't be enough ventilators, enough intensive care beds, enough doctors and nurses. That is the moment of real danger. The new variant is out of control and we need to bring it under control. And this news about the new variant has been a uh, an incredibly difficult end to, frankly, an awful year. And it's important for everybody to act, essentially act like they might have the virus. And that's the way that we can control it together. The way ahead is hard. And it is still true that many lives will sadly be lost. Our advisory group on new and emerging respiratory virus threats, NERVTAG, has spent the last few days analyzing this new variant. It may be up to 70% more transmissible than the old variant, the original version of the disease. You, you might be infectious, and that's the way that we have to behave at this moment. Assume you might be infectious, assume you might be infectious, and that's the way that we have to behave at this moment. Today, the United Kingdom's chief medical officers have advised that the country should move to alert level five, meaning that uh, if action is not taken, NHS capacity may be overwhelmed within 21 days. And it's going to spread further. And I, I must level with you, level with the, the British public. Um, more families, uh, many more families, are going to lose loved ones before their time. Your colleague on stage, John Edmonds, has just sent me a statement saying that as far as he's concerned, this is the worst moment of the epidemic because of the extraordinary inf infectivity of this new strain. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, this is a horrible moment for sure. I to say, as I'm really sorry to hear about your two relatives who died from this virus. I mean, it is a very dangerous virus uh, for many people. We're looking to move to a different regime, so as we come to the fourth step, we will change the basic tools that we have used to control human behavior.
doctor reading that little line, I will be arrested for not taking a fucking vaccine. This is not a fucking joke anymore. This is fucking dead serious. I am fucking dead serious. These people don't know who the fuck they're actually playing with. They are, in a group they might come and fucking intimidate me and whatnot. But fuck, they do not understand what the fuck just one person like myself is capable of. They do not fucking understand. No fucking vaccine or MRA will ever flow through my fucking blood blood. Never! I will fucking die fucking fighting for my forefathers and my fucking lineage. Fuck these motherfuckers. Yes, welcome, 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 everyone. God, the doc's working hard the last 24 hours. And uh, today we're going to have a roundtable. Dr. Dinart is going to be joining us. And I titled this stream Herves and Prions, basically, because I want to... I'm I'm unsure, basically, of how, how important the topic is, of there is... Ah, I don't want to say an abundance of literature, but there's certainly a solid amount with respect to how these retroviruses could be involved in numerous uh, chronic disease, um, neurodegenerative cancer, etc. But my personal problem is that the... There seems to be a very well-established physiological role for these um, endogenous retroviruses. Um, There seem to be many um, as they take up such a large proportion of the genome. And the claim that they go back to uh, ancient uh, monkey ancestors um <laughs> if you believe that um is the it's it's hard for me to dismiss its role in normal function 
and maybe we're just seeing a correlation type effect and it's it's hard for me to find in the literature that there is like stopping the <laughs> uh, I did put Charles down for uh, joining the thing, but um, uh, maybe he can't join us. But uh, bear with me, folks. Uh, so yeah, I'm just waiting. So I know. Christy is running a few minutes late, and Joanna, um, I know she's there, and, oh, yes, she's trying to set it up on her PC rather than use her phone right now. So you're just going to have to listen to me, lick spills, and uh, I will um, I do my best to entertain thee. Um, I'm uh, looking at this picture right now should i should i do this what should i do let's get this put this here minimize that and i'm just looking at the storm shadow strikes on the uh russian russian head of their navy operations um <laughs> this is a strange strange world um but yeah, there it is. So at least two two strikes. And I don't know how that goes down because Russia has made it abundantly clear that they don't consider Crimea part of the special military operation uh, landscape. And they consider that an attack on Russia proper. And I don't know like essentially the next escalation step is to take out the the reconnaissance aircraft and drones etc and um they just go full full schizo in the what is it schizo but just um full bear mode in the region um i don't know i mean that's that's not happening without NATO's involvement in this instance and I guess you know you could argue that there's a you know Russian pilots were fighting in Vietnam etc for the Vietnamese so eh, war is such a terrible terrible thing and um, the problem is I have a feeling that they want to amplify it it's part of their way for clearing the way to a new brighter future for you on to bench and uh this is a um the problem is it's just the the casualties that come with it the families oh so many families have just been uh wiped out already um you, d you don't lose all those young men and not have an impact on your on your population and Man, they need to they need to get to some form of negotiated peace. And I was listening to oh, there's Joanna. Um, I was listening to uh, Colonel McGregor, and he was claiming that 
this was um Ukraine can't do anything else. They've lost they've lost too many on the sort of um ground and so their only response now is uh, these sort of long range attacks and designed to provoke and um yeah it's it's in Russia's hands right now. Hello, Joanna. I can see you. Um, it says connecting audio. Um, can you hear me? Hello? Oh, yes, I hear you. You sound a little on the quiet side. Um, well, true. I was testing my audio just a second. Just jack that mic up a little bit. Give me, give me another. Just tell everyone how you are, and then I can see the levels. How I am? Yeah. Um, Actually, the levels I'm... are good. Levels are good. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. Don't okay. mess around then. Okay. Um, yeah, it's late, um, but it's okay. I'm, it's, I'm fine. My family is, is sleeping. I just need to close the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wait okay, okay. wait a it. second. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. Um, and yeah, so always a pleasure to see you, Anna. What can I say? We have uh, you've got Fat Angie on one side, and then uh, we have. Uh, Joanna and Christy, <laughs> we have all the good-looking chicks on our side. Um, I was just uh, just filling in dead air by uh, complimenting you, saying um, we have all the good-looking chicks in the resistance. It's not. <laughs> yeah, uh... Christy. Christy is um, also. Um, yeah, yeah. We... <laughs> so it's um, it's it's you know I, I'm I'm not about that, but if I am online live streaming then i'm caring a little bit you know mm, mm, mm. um oh we're glad you do uh, we're glad you do um I, I i get that i'm not so easy on the eyes and uh the <laughs> i can if i can provide uh a more aesthetic feel to um we were we were joking about calling this feline friday uh <laughs> myself and christy but uh, <laughs> I, I i didn't do that i went for the uh, the serious um, approach and tone, because I actually I, I I can't tell you Anna how serious I should take this her finding, and this is what I'm really hoping you can drill down into. And You're talking about the finding um, of like reactivation of herbs with yeah, COVID. Yes, but actually what led me to that was um i forgot them the last name is going the german group um who are working on uh culture models of prion um aggregation etc and what they found was um upregulation of herve w and herve k leads to increased or aggressiveness in the um the spread of these prion aggregations and as i was sort of poking around in the references there was a paper where they had taken brain homogenate from cows 
um, intrus cerebrally injected it into monkeys and they so this german group seems to have uh, have been on this trial for quite some time um it was a german group doing the primate studies and um they found upregulation of herves by the intracerebral injection of um mad cow prion tissue basically and i'm I, the, well, the other issue I have is, as I poke around and look, there's all this talk about herves being responsible for normal cellular operation and gene regulatory networks, and playing a you know a role in placenta. Yeah, yeah, that's that's <laughs> the uh, that's the one you see being thrown around, but it it also I, I get I get it. It's a very sort of new area and domain of research but you know that i the fact that they've been with us for so long i mean if they go back to you know i wouldn't believe it if there wouldn't be the syncytia i think is the way you say it syncytia is the name for tissues that are fusing so mm -hmm. we have we have some tissues in our bodies that are fusing like um giant cell um immune reactions for instance mm -hmm. and the placenta fuses to to build the um communication and and gas exchange mm -hmm. um for for the baby and basically due to hey christy hi um do you yeah. This is the first stream we've done together. Last time it was Mary and um Christy, right? So this is yeah. I mean, I know you guys have spoken um in the background. Uh, like hugging. <laughs> yeah, they hugging. <laughs> basically texting and um probably listening to each other when um someone was live, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, it's so nice to see you. Yeah, and nice to talk finally. <laughs> For, yeah, yeah, for anyone watching, Joanna and I have not connected uh, like this. This is our first time. We've just been, yeah, in digital space. Oh, it's yeah. so excited. <laughs> yeah, it's nice and when we, you we put trying. a face, right? It's nice when you get a face yeah. to someone that's, you know, it, that someone becomes an ally on Twitter. And, and a lot of the time, I don't know who um, these people are, but we share a lot of... Um, uh, how should we say thoughts and ideas on on what's going on and but i don't again i don't know um faces except very very few people that go to the will step out from behind that um anonymity i get it right you don't want to um if you're not uh it comes at a cost yeah yeah very much and um uh i'm uh big enough and ugly enough that i don't care what that cost is but for um uh, ladies Kids like yourself don't either. <laughs> <laughs> you 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 probably want to be treading a little more careful and uh, i feel very um how should we say i live in a safe safe neighborhood in japan um you, Joanna, not so much with the 
<laughs> they can kick your door in any time, right? As long as you do nothing illegal, then probably not. Mm. <laughs> is that is that but, the case though? It, it, it's oh, just no. It's it depends on what's uh, deemed illegal or not, and that's where we are struggling right now. Um, we just had um, a soldier being um, like released from from the trial. Um, and we still have the mandates for the soldiers, mm. and he was like uh, in front of a judge because he denied to be vaccinated mm. and we have uh, our medical doctor released who was jailed for 16 months without a finished trial mm. and preemptively and like uh, in handcuffs brought to the courtroom and stuff like that mm. um, it's not over yet and we still have medical doctors be being jailed for mask exemptions wow. Um, so it's a hot topic, but I, I dared to go out there with my full name and, you know, with me, I think it's, if I wouldn't do that with my, um, like, uh, like my bio, um, the, the work in virology during my study time. And then during my clinical work, going into transplant surgery, when you do the um, immunosuppression and have the side effects of the medication and also the severe cases, the tumor cases that you also have with liver surgery. Um, so th there was a lot to learn there that I didn't know when I was in virology. And there were a lot of infected patients and I saw their organs stained by the pathologist after they were explanted or something like that we were investigating them so it's like my whole career was like i i knew where where to go instinctively because i did do that mm -hmm. <laughs> no not many do that and um so if i wouldn't go out and talk about my perception of things because i didn't know it was wrong that's what i said i, I didn't do something it's illegal. not wrong that's the thing <laughs> this is not wrong the fact that you shouldn't even no. be thinking along those lines but that's yeah how... but you know the front loading of the science with data with with um anderson the anderson um, um like uh, the proximal origins and the lancet letter made me a conspiracy theorist anti-science mm -hmm. and all that and i was sitting in the emergency um uh, like center department of, of the triage for, for the PCR testing and was like I, I didn't know that they were I was like getting it that they were um, publishing these papers but it was like in real time I was busy with with the patients and with the informations and I was like getting it from Twitter somehow but it really escalated over time. And then you are in that position that you say something. And I just found out that our um, government was asked about the connection between Drosten and Dajak. And they, um, first of all, they admitted, admitted that Germany is um, doing gain of function and loss of function. And then they think it's uh, a necessary thing to do. And that the charity does gain of function, actually, but they don't know anything about um, um, a collaboration between Dajak and um, Drosten. 
that's what they communicated. And also they cited like Dajak Lancet letter and lab origins um, com comments on like, it was exactly the front load that they cited. And if now we have the CIA um, inquiry by the right. subcommittee yeah. with with the um, six out of seven CIA experts maybe being bribed. Mm. Well, <laughs> Charles the... thinks that those experts probably were Anderson, Rambo, um, Yeah, that's Gary. my thought. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he was Lipton. saying that, that they were going around doing tours basically to um, enlighten the uh, government agencies. Um, yeah, it's just a, um, we, we live in very bizarre times. Um, yeah, you don't have to worry, Christy. You've got Castle Doctrine, right? So, <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I live in a 2A state. Our governor is, whoever is going to be governor now going forward, there were lame duck laws enacted, so it uh, reduced the powers of the governor who was ever elected to our state. So I live in Wisconsin in the U.S., but yeah, I live in a Castle Doctrine state. So if and I don't need uh, and I also have a martial arts uh, extensive background. My family is military as well, mm. but yeah, I didn't. That doesn't mean I don't fear for my safety. Right. Mm. But we we're allowed to use lethal force, and I don't need. Um, a certificate or any kind of license on a weapon in my home, car, or place of employment. If I feel my life is in jeopardy, I may use lethal force to that nice. end to protect myself. Come to Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we have lots of farms on the outside. There's Amish here, so you can get fresh produce and meat, and it's not tainted by Monsanto. Uh, you're just getting... Um... You've just caused a flurry of love hearts in the chat with your martial arts. Uh, so I don't. I'll just. Uh, I, I don't mind clarifying. I started when I was. Uh, usually, I don't. Oh yeah, it is posted on Twitter. I've been in kung fu for over twenty years. Uh, Yongdang Safishuan, northern forms of Chinese infighting. Uh, the person who trained me, Sifu, uh, studied with Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris out of California, and then he moved to be with his family in Wisconsin. So that's how I got that awesome training. And he only charged $20 a month. So I was there five days a week because he wanted to teach Kung Fu. And then I started training in something called Combat Pencak Silat Pertemperan, which is knife fighting and street fighting alongside the Kung Fu and then weapons and Things I'll never have in public, like size or nunchucks or throwing stars and chain whips. But, mm. but the knife fighting, um, yeah, I hope uh, I never got, have to. Use got to it. learn to be able to handle a knife fight. <laughs> Just only let them get it in once if they get it in. That's why <laughs> surgeons are good with knives as well. Mm. Yeah, um, I know where to slice a monkey. Okay, um. <laughs> You've gotten in no, some scraps, Kevin. Yeah, yeah, a lot. Actually, I heard but... about one recently. Well, yeah. we'll have to talk offline. Yeah. I, I heard about something. I heard about something. Mm, Sorry. Mm. Oh, yeah, I've, I, I've shown it online, but... Um, it's... The video? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just... eh, it's what it is. Anyway, back to, back to her. Sorry. Uh, um, let's... Uh... I was talking about this in Sitchin. Mm, mm, mm. Because it's like... Um, Herbs are um, human endogenous, endogenous retroviruses, right? Mm. So, um, and 
it's said that it's millions of years that they are in our genome. And basically, the calculation of these millions of years is something that I <laughs> didn't get it to in the literature, that I can see what are they really calculating. But when it comes to syncytion, and you know that um, the placenta syncytia formation, meaning um, multiple multiple nuclei in a big giant cell without the separation of membranes, so the gas exchange and um, and all nutrient um, exchange can um, can be provided for the fetus. Um, that's only possible because of this fusion protein from the retrovirus envelope protein integrating into the human or, or the ancestors of the human's genome on chromosome seven. And then we weren't like yeah, able so I, I, to, I think to have a where... womb and not laying eggs anymore. You know, mm. that's the reason we have wombs <laughs> and yeah, giving and birth. <laughs> th this is why I think there's this claim or trope that it's millions of years old, right? Because from an evolution because of that, yeah, and that's why I can get it. But <clears throat> there are these endogenous retrovirus like it's 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 said it's like homologous to have w mm. um the syncytia but mm. you have the phenomenon that it can be expressed in like neuronal cells and then it's associated with uh ms mm. the syncytion so it's like um it's interesting how the body works in, in the area of placenta and in the you have to um think about it's in the process of being pregnant that that is expressed and you have a change of a lot of crosstalk <laughs> due to the hormone um changes during pregnancy but um on the other hand <laughs> I'm not full on that side because what Nick said in the last stream, you had a like a prepare screen and I mm. listened to it. Mm. Um, he asked if um, probably it could have been the experiments with like contaminated vaccines or the special virus cancer program mm. that have introduced these like retrovirus, provirus like elements into our genome and i think that's actually possible mm. and um, well I, I would have to think highly probable with respect to any primate product would be not uh, only primate mm. because it, um when you look at the like um complexity of these proviruses and i sent you some papers about herbs because like i was starting to dig even deeper um the one that was this review where um was like um one the first the, the, or something the neurology um, they, one yeah i can share screen and i, I just wanted to say that the genome structure gets ever co more complicated within um from from the murine um, retrovirus to HIV and um, the more uh, complex lentiviruses. How did I lose so, my? Sorry, I've lost my um, Google. It shut down. Why? 
Please tell me the history is in there. <gasps> Thank God. <laughs> All right. Um, here we go. Okay, so you're talking about this paper, right? Um, okay. So I'd, I'd seen this one prior to you yes. sending it. It seems a... Uh, the review. Yeah, and it's it comes up every time you sort of search something about hers, yes. it seems. And the... Oh, Nick's about to wanting to join in so i'll let him yeah i wanted to jump in too but i was waiting i don't want to interrupt i was just reading uh joanna a paper on what you were talking about and the retroviruses and the placenta and how they're important like that's part of the process of the of the fetal development and if those are not operating correctly that it can just it can have catastrophic effects yes so there's some things yeah that... in, in a way and it, and the thing is that we that Anna Burkhardt had found um spike stained in the sensitive trophoblast of mm. of a stillbirth so that's very much of interest for me um how how the interaction is but hey Nick I just mentioned you <laughs> Because yeah. of the space cat zooming in, so um, I think he heard you mention about the uh, contamination That's issue, funny. and <laughs> or he was waiting for a while. I didn't see. <laughs> Might be my fault. I but... was waiting for a while, and you didn't see me. Sorry, so dude. Sorry. <laughs> That's my fault. I was too busy looking at Joanna and Christy. <laughs> what can I say? I know uh, that you know that, me too. I was like, I don't mind. Let's keep talking. Mm. Um, but uh, hi, everybody. Nice to see you. And um, I'm so happy to uh, be able to pop in for just a second. I'm getting ready to interview a, a very important historic 1979 witness to the Heptavax uh, trial in London. Los Angeles. He was there. He lived there. And I'm connecting him with a, a podcaster and we're going to do a big interview in just a little bit. So I won't hang around, but uh, thanks for having me in. You're welcome. Um, did you, I, I know you had questions earlier when we spoke. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think that was really, she, Johanna, you just went right to it. Um, and that was the question of right now, what feels important to me is to really illustrate the scope of um, how much cover up occurred during the medical primatology era, if, if it's ever even really stopped. Um, and I'm talking about the massive exposure to uh, endogenous primate viruses through the cell culture contamination uh, and then obviously mouse retroviruses and i'm just in the last 48 hours getting my hands on the 1978 niaid task force reports and they're broken up into you know different disciplines different areas uh, but one of them is very clear about uh, basically the whole the general cdc vaccination catalog and it's one of the last times I see cited in the literature that they're honest about adverse events. They actually have correlative adverse events and they talk about what kind of substrate things were grown up on. So it's a really interesting insight into the NIAID 
um, that I think I'll, I've, I've got it shared. I'll make sure that you guys get a copy of these documents, but um, it's good to show what was being used and then tie that to what we really know about retroviral risks um, and try to draw some correlations to public health. Um, it may sound a bit of a, let, let's, let's wind back a little bit to basics before we bring in the primate um, contamination issue. So, what I think you... it's it's not only primate, but the the um, urine is necessary to discuss as well because um, Judy's like, Judy's XMRV, so no. Yeah, it is actually because you know the the um, like forward for her book um, was written by um, Robert Kennedy Jr. and he referenced an outbreak of chronic fatigue syndrome (MECFS) in the 1920s or something, or even earlier, where um, where vaccine was trialed in, in medical stuff. So it's like, how long is that going back? And how, how can we say it's been like introduced into the genome like this far away when it's, mm. first it's, it's um, mendled, <laughs> like um the genetic um distribution and and um it, like you have alleles um of of integration and on the other side you can have um integration events uh during like horizontal transmission you see that in the koala retrovirus population which is undergoing endogenization of retrovirus just now so but, yeah, um, we'll we'll work towards that as a sort of working example. But if I if I was to pin you down on, um, the, as it takes up so much of our genome, I would make the presumption that we must be surrounded, or or we were in our past, by these viral um, pathogens. Um, yeah. So what what would be the reservoir? for humans to be coming into into contact with them with retroviruses the, the gamma retroviruses the all these i think because it seems there's no distinction between what type of retrovirus it is it's it's just endogenous retrovirus because they have the reverse transcriptase as a um associated um, and they have a very distinct uh, proviral um um sequence when you go down and look at the first um image in that um paper i think it's it has a um ha has a graph about the eight percent um endogenous retroviruses and you have to think about like two percent of the genome is building up the proteome, mm. and the endogenous retroviruses were usually thought of being junk, like junk DNA. But it's a lot. That's right. And um, I think they have investigated and have said that a lot of these retroviral elements were like long ago, and then the integration rate like slowed down and then they are the more 
more recent ones, but it's still a very huge range that they give on on like time span. And I said, is is this something for all life that they have this any anything that has a um many many species many species have endogenous retroviruses so Mm. it's like and you can like there are um are are we laboring under a misnomer here then this is this is my concern with this but if they're so integral and so widespread in biology and are functional does it, I, I'm, I'm almost going to bat for the, uh, the no virus people by them saying these are internally generated, which of course they would be because they're sent down the germline. But yeah, my my question to that is always, what's the hen, what the egg, and mm. and these pro, if they are that old and so primordial, is it more probable that they were there? before mm. biggest, bigger organisms evolved and that these bigger organisms could evolve because they had like mutagenetic influences, like um, changes in the environment and then adaption. So it, it always, when you read in these papers, then they are telling you there was an integration event via the germline into the species. And they underwent this like spread within the whole species Mm. of these elements because of progeny, because you give it germline meaning into sperm and egg. And then you have integration into the first cell of an organism and if that divides, then you have like every cell has a copy of that, right, right. every cell of that organism. And after that, their offspring will have the same integrations. And then it's a question of where it integrates and like, is there an evolutionary like benefit from it maybe mm. so that they can, um, so from a just an investigative perspective um it would be it's it's very difficult to have a test platform where you could have like a blank slate and test the each one of these endogenous retroviruses and what what they would do and so we're we're kind of a, a physical and conceptual wall here at the moment and this is this is why i'm i'm i don't know vacillating between what these things are um and i just i just wonder if we're laboring under a misnomer if they're so integral is is there's always this um they are integral but they are silenced basically Mm. and the production of the envelope protein alone and it is enough to trigger um inflammation that's what you said that what some people say 
it's it's part of the immune regulation mm -hmm. and they see it positively but on the other hand it triggers inflammation and chronic inflammation can lead to um like changes in crosstalk leading to cancers and fibrosis and like and it's basically with these um um they are often um affecting um the i think it i don't know if it's that paper but it's affecting um the astrocytes and um it's it's doing chronic inflammation stress yeah it was this paper and uh, um als they were, they were talking yes and but that's basically the that the same concept of uh, disease that Judy Mikowitz has with the uh, xenotropic ret retroviruses, mm. um, murine-like, and you know I, um, I I picked my um, book up where I have done the photographs of um, the retroviral genome, and um, you can see the um, murine. Maybe you can yeah, see it. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll stop the share for a second and. Um... Uh, uh, yeah so th this was this was kind of the question i was going to ask is if you do those similarity plots um how similar are these endogenous viruses to say something like hiv how much do they differ? I have a question differ? after too i've been waiting but i didn't know when you wanted well, to get ladies, there and ladies talk about first then uh, I, I, i've been um sorry lnp yes but um, I, I just wanted to confirm because I've been reading a lot, uh, and I'm sorry for mispronouncing your name, Joanna. Joanna, correct? Johanna. Johanna. Thanks. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I, so I've been reading a lot about since uh, Kevin started bringing uh, these viruses up, and I was reading about how they can be reactivated when you have the provirus initially integrates into the cell's genome and how it can become active and new particles can form where that would be similar to HIV. And then I was reading regarding um, the current injections out there that you can have a stressor immune suppression. So you can have, actually have an immune suppression event, which could lead to the reactivation of dormant retroviruses. Or if you had a mutation in the host cell genome or the viral genome, that can lead to so, but it would have to, you know, we'd be talking about plasmid DNA entering. And it would have to enter and you know between the plasma dna and the sv40 promoter which is a continuous promoter it's always on that that would have to land in that spot that 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 could drive the expression of that so i was just curious because that's not my field mm -hmm. but that was a worry when kevin and i were talking and he said he wondered how lipid nanoparticle would come into play or plasmids possibly if you had a shuttle vector meant for biotech production with you know the plasmid with would it even need the sv40 promoter or not if it would come in contact because all the time in the lab for all the people saying that it's not entering the nucleus yes it is because you have a transfection agent with dna that's done all the time in in labs and cells everywhere so we know that it's going to drive it into the nucleus even without that promoter on it but that was my thought when I was thinking about these retroviruses that you could have um, a mutation in the host cell 
that could lead to the reactivation too. And when Dr. Ben. Buchholz was saying that there were like billions, was it millions or billions? Billions, I can pull up this slide. Billions of little pieces of like comparing it to buckshot in a gun shot out into the human body. Then, you know, yeah, there's a, I think there's... we're having with a sorry. I think with, ahead. The, with the plasmid, we have like we have that with the adenoviral vector, um, like um, vaccines, and they they are DNA and they deposit in the nucleus. So the deposition alone would allow to be like used by the um, transcription and translation machinery afterwards mm. for once and um then we have these papers that show that the subunit that the protein subunit alone is possible to down and up regulate the um like the the tumor suppressor genes like p53 and braca so um if you have a protein expression from a plasmid in the nucleus, that's basically enough to like change the whole um, like environment, crosstalk like. That's the one thing, and the the SV40 promoter and the possible integration into the genome, where you then would have think about the possibility that you insert it, it's integrated like at a tumor suppressor gene site. So it's like um, shut off. So you don't, don't have a tumor suppressor signal anymore. That That's, I think it's way more rare than the crosstalk interference, but it might happen. And I'm still asking Vicky Mail, since I think now five months, how the fuck the the amnion epithelium can express spike in a stillbirth that was conceived ten days after the last injection. So that would, you know, amnion epithelium is the the sac of the fetus. And that is the first thing that develops from the zygote. Like the, the um, I don't know the English names for the specifics. Okay. But it's you can use German. Technical German always sounds great. So. <laughs> Dottersack. Okay. Dottersack. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's like the egg um, um, skin. Um, the, what what is like holding oh, the amniotic, amniotic epithelium? I guess. Yes, amniotic. I love, is the Greek root is ova, correct? Ova, ova. That's that's where synovial oh. fluid comes from. Sorry, yeah, the Greek, Greek root ovum. Because ovary and the ovaries are not an organ, <laughs> but, but maybe that's the same basic. Mm. Um, but but um. What I wanted to say is um, it's in the amnion and in the syncytiotrophoblast and in the navel cord of that stillbirth. So if if it was 10 days after the um, the last shot, then 
the onion epithelium builds up prior to the placenta. Mm -hmm. So it's unlogical to think that it's a placenta passage and deposition of spike within the fetus Mm -hmm. rather than an expression because the tissue doesn't, doesn't look damaged. And if it's expressed but not damaged within the fetus, there's no immune reaction because the fetus actually learns all what I'm seeing right now is my own. Mm -hmm. But what does that mean? If, you know, I hope it's just the the 10 days because that old site was just evolving and it was like... Well, it's disturbing anyway that that there's an interaction at the... It shouldn't be there. It's not supposed to be there, right? No, but it's tying into Christy's question. But because with a a solely mRNA concept, like the the distribution looks weird. I wouldn't think it, it would have to need to be integrated to be then produced. And that would be a germline infection if it's in the first cell and then in every cell in the fetus. And then the fetus doesn't react to it or is like having a chronic reaction on the um, spike, which is maybe prone to do stuff like syntitia forming um, and little bit doing a little bit of a change in that organism. And that's how uh, species evolve and that's why i'm bringing up the retro koala retrovirus because um like there's an integration event into the whole population of the koala um with like gamma retrovirus similar retroviral elements just now so there are some population that don't have it and but on an island for instance because they weren't in contact with the others but um they are um related to murine like uh asian mm. new, um, like m- mice let me um, let me bring that paper up um I, I did i send it to you uh yeah you did um i just gotta dig it out from I knew the the plasma DNA was causing had to be causing, and then the spike, the the issues driving the malformation, even if if it's like cleft palate or whatever OBGYN is seeing. Because Doctor Thorpe, James Thorpe, gave in a just an amazing interview on Doctor Drew talking about the terrible things she was seeing, and we know even like autism like that is a gene expression driving a change like like if if a woman drinks a lot when she's pregnant like the alcohol doesn't act directly on the the fetus it's that's driving pro that's driving a change in expression and then that's creating because that's tetra when we talk about teratogens in the womb but that the so if the the mother's getting hit with you know, she gets the vaccine and she gets hit with all that LMP and then the DNA plasmids in there and the spike and it's just crossing through 
Mm. And then like you, like you both know too, this isn't my wheelhouse, but the blood brain barrier of the baby is not fully developed Mm. while in the womb. And it's just like, things are just diffusing through. Correct. It's like, as there's, there's not much, as far as my embryology goes. Yeah. That's um, not much protection. And, you know, that's part of the reason that they, they want to use this. You can't even scoop cat litter when you're pregnant. You're not supposed to eat processed meat when you're pregnant or, I mean, it's a terrible comparison or use hair dye at a certain point, but. It's uh but gene transfection of uh, bioweapon spike proteins. Yeah, that's all good. We can uh, launch ahead with that. Um, that, yeah, Vicky Mail is just a very, I don't know, it's like Plan. almost like a bot account in... Yeah, maybe maybe the expression that Anna Brook had said was because of that, like 10 days after. And if you get it in pregnancy, then you have a kind of a barrier or whatever. Um, we're still finding that out, but I'm not getting any answers. Nobody of my profession is really discussing this with me. And they weren't doing that with Anna Burkhardt or uh, um, Walter Lang as well. So it's, you can't say, but we don't know what happens. We don't have documented any side effects, but we're not looking. Mm. So, and that's how they always do it. And like what I wanted to say and to to the topic of um, Nick and what you have, all these species having these retroviral integration, and then you'd use cell lines of other species if you do that and you have contaminants in there and you give it like with biologicals like vaccines then you can trigger an immune response and like a reaction more like an autoimmune reaction to the expression site maybe maybe that's the way you can grasp this there's a positive or or developmental side to the ancient retroviruses but they can also um, trigger immune reactions basically that's what judy said with um, the xmrv with the mecfs so do they do they know the uh, reservoir for these um i'm sorry i haven't read it but um the Reservoir for this koala retrovirus is it a um, monkey and mouse? Monkey Monkey and mouse. mouse. So there's a potential here that it's literally come from interactions with humans in the how should we say the the early vaccine years post wildlife conservation bat vaccines. You know, were they? But so they were vaccinating their koala bears. Don't know, mm-hmm. but uh, mm. you know the the deer in the U.S. has a lot of COVID, and and there are basically programs when where they vaccinate them to to, to not procreate too much. <laughs> Is this yeah. true? Um... Heinz Feldman and and I was researching that when um. I, I know deer's deer seems to be a reservoir for SARS. COVID, uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's... But there are programs um, to have uh, deer vaccinations mm. to, to not procreate. Yes. Hmm. And that, well, you think that might be part uh, yeah. of the chronic? I wouldn't, I, th I don't think that the Australian would do that with their koalas, but um, I don't know. Well, so this this is the fawny area you get it's in like... with this retroviral paradigm, which is, well, basically everyone's a vector if they're, um, if they're in an expression mode. What causes that expression mode seems ambiguous at the moment but it, if say judy is correct and ev everyone was getting xmrv um infected or, or exposed if they'd received any of the statutory vaccines and maybe koalas just have a sensitivity to it and by being in contact with humans They've, it, it's got on board or it, it, it's infected one and then it's just now beginning to filter through the breeding population um i, I mean i guess, yeah, I guess the I, problem the problem is it, it when it integrates into the germline it's like um going vertically and in the koalas it's also going horizontally so it is feline um, it's just, just for Friday, feline yes. Friday. There we go. Not in my face. Nick went cat mm. game. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, I'll probably have to run at the sink, wash my face. But, um, I think the important part is that we like adapt to these um, retroviruses and usually we have them silenced with methylation and that's a very complex me mechanism that the germline is checked like and there are um antisense um rna built to to filter out these um insertions and um that's basically what judy hinted on that it's the methylation and demethylation that like reactivates the um the human endogenous retroviruses and basically um you can like interfere with the production you can balance the the cytokine le levels are the indicatory um parameters for her um they, they don't go with pcr tests but um with with a culture technique and prior to that they have screened with um with the um cytokine levels and mi micro rnas and, and stuff like well, that so, so if your reservoir is not really amenable to um giving uh, copies that could be um, analyzed. So say it's say it's happening within the brain, but you've cytokine signaling is going on that does cross the blood-brain barrier um, somewhat uh, easier. Um, yeah. I, c I can understand the reasoning for that, and part of part of what I've been thinking is that um, in in order for the body to be able to respond to an unknown viral pathogen, 
you would want to get into a defensive posture. And so you could have localized cytokine cascade occur, but that w that w might be enough to sort of signal other areas and other tissue um, and organ systems to say something is happening. And so these, in, in my mind, herves could be upregulated to say, okay, you now act like there's a virus in the environment. And again, I don't know, you can shoot this down if you like, but because we've co-evolved with it, we know how to silence it, basically. Um, there's more... There, there's potentially an easier route to silencing that and while the rest of the immune system works on what, what caused the initial cytokine signal and the these herves are acting almost in a protective role in a, in most cases. But then as biology is want to do, you're going to get people who may be sensitive and um, Christy was talking about... Uh, Europoids being susceptible to MS more than um, other. Right, 85%. Mm. So yeah. that's the the alleles that are responsible for that are 85% for MS. Uh, a lot of the autoimmune disorders, lupus was one mm. as well. And so if there's a, if there's this, strong crossover with multiple sclerosis and that's that's the consistent theme that i've seen as i've sort of looked at the literature multiple sclerosis has been the primary neurological disorder associated on multiple alleles yeah and you know maybe maybe it's a concept you know ms might be a sort of post-viral um sequelae a bit a bit like a um long covid for example and just it got the system got wound up but some people just struggle to bring it back under control and yeah um and that's the the primary infection site of uh, retroviruses or like um usually like infective retroviruses go into dendritic cells and and um monocytes um macrophage and and the the astrocytes and the glia mm. and that's like where the chronic inflammation is done and then it comes to the prion buildup mm -mm. where this, this like miss signaling um and chronic inflammation is and like there's so many dysregulation in that moment in that place that maybe also these um you know with the spike protein we know there's these prion like domains mm. so who knows if in these retrovirus elements uh, there are you know i haven't done the check if if there are well, um, so, like domains as well, but they are quite homologous. You know, the thing is the en um, envelope protein of the retrovirus is quite similar to the spike protein of the coronavirus. The coronavirus has a spike protein and an envelope protein, but the main binding domains are on the spike it's discussed everywhere and used for the vaccines we know that mm. and it is the fusion molecule 
but in the retrovirus, the envelope is like, looks like the same. It's like, and it is the same homotrima, like the Simsicha building um, endogenous retrovirus. So there, these proteins like fold in the same way and open up pores in between two cells. And that's basically um, what they tested also with COVID. I think in the Pauli Ehrlich Institute in Germany in around March 2021, when they found the Sinsicha buildup um, with exposure to spike alone, I think, or, or to... Um... Well, so I was trying to sort of pass this study earlier. Um, it was... I was I was a little disappointed and um it wasn't um the numbers were small and they were really squeezing uh, the data very hard to try to I don't know bump up the impact of their paper but um one of the claims that they make is that you can just expose white blood cells monocytes in this instance and um, just the spike protein from SARS is enough to upregulate uh, HERV WENV if I remember correctly so there does seem this potential for this um, feedback loop to be occurring and the yeah the question becomes have do they have such a far ahead understanding of, of disease mechanisms that they would look to leverage this. So the fusion mechanism or what what do you mean? No, just well, I, I, I'm not I'm not sure this paper really describes why HERV would upregulate. It just that it does in monocytes when exposed to um, plasma from COVID patients or recombinant spike protein and so it, it's somehow able to signal and, and again this sort of in my mind it falls into oh there's there's a viral pathogen in the environment internally of the cell if we upregulate HERV then for most viruses that would be a advantageous thing to do um, in this particular instance where we're seeing um, the amyloid, you know, amyloid beta uh, sequences, and now potentially this prion protein specific um, sequence that Nystrom has found. You're you're in a situation once these peptides have entered the cell that if herbs are active, then this comes into play and um maybe as a german you might be able to speak to these people in the native tongue and um see where they are it's at university of bonn um but what Rostons this former workplace is it okay <laughs> But what they what they show is in in an environment where oh. the herve is upregulated, then the prion cascade 
is becomes way more aggressive and that Holy cow. yeah that is um disturbing because again this is it's this layer of interaction that people just wouldn't think about and i get it this is in culture but you know early earlier studies which was german and actually do you know any of these people um joanna not personally um you've never heard of dirk motzkus no, so, um, he, is that also Bonn? Uh, Leibniz Institute. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, uh, Leibniz. That's Pöhlmann. Mm. Stefan Pöhlmann, the one on the Fauci conference, is in Leibniz Center so on this, climate research. This, I mean, he's the corresponding author. So he's the principal investigator of this study. Now, look, it's not unusual for someone who focuses on primate studies. You know, the publication list tends to be smaller just because of the nature and time of the studies and what you need for samples, etc. But this individual seems to appear from nowhere and then disappears as well. And that's... Mm, it, it's suspect for me right now if we're you know we have to be very um not skeptical um just thorough in who's who's publishing what data and um but anyway the point i wanted to show this paper was this is the intracerebral injection of bse um mad cow brain and they show this herve upregulation as well. And the, it may be, it, if we're looking through the bioweapons lens, it may be that they know that this interaction is something that can be tuned yeah. or, or attacked. Hey, can I yeah, just jump in here? I'm going to send sure. you a study on uh, herbs often contain regulatory elements like promoters and enhancers. Did you already talk about that and how that could drive? A, a, Holy smokes. A, a, little, I'm gonna, a little bit. I'm going to send you a quick study if you want to look at it. Yeah. Um, in Skype or... Uh, and to I'm going to send to the Gmail. There are like studies on herbs where all sorts of viral infections can reactivate her um um like can demethylate the um provirus and reactivate her uh, um translation protein products and then express the envelope and that's basically what Judy always said it's only the envelope that's needed to like trigger the pathogenicity and that's the same with Prions, you only need the protein. And that's where I connected that before I made contact to Kevin, because that's where where I landed. And then my dad had this 11 days after the booster, like decline into death with his prior existing phosphorylated tau. So it was like... <laughs> Uh, there was something to it and Montagnier was describing this. And mm. so that's why I got in contact with Kevin. But for me, after hearing, I, I come from the XMRV path, from, from the research into Judy's work. Mm. 
it was logical that if it's just the the proteinaceous like uh, trigger and and like like with a toxin um in that like a protein can unfold toxic effects and maybe it's a difference if you have it in the womb mm. on on a surface where you have like a strong muscular um um like but if you have in situ build up in in other organs or, or like fusion reaction or like membrane puration that's not that good especially mm. for the brain and and the like <laughs> Yeah, I, I did a paper a little while ago about um, spike protein and syncytia formation in the brain. Um, okay. I, I'm not sure I saved that one. I don't see the paper. Um, Christy. Christy. I just um, oh, the there, there it goes. There so it goes. it's looking at transcriptional activation of HERV-K sequences by human endogenous retroviruses um, with a long terminal repeat and how they have functional transcriptional elements to them, and they can actually activate the expression of genes in their vicinity and mm. act as promoters and enhancers. And I thought that's that would yeah. be interesting if it was also uh, interacting with, say, an SV40 promoter, and then you've got the plasmid in that, and yeah, possibly charged lipids, because that paper showed the... You and I, I think I tagged you in that, right? So it was buried under like how many tens of thousands of papers, the one that shows where they used HPLC in reverse ion phase, and they found that the positively impurity, impurities in the positively charged lipids are creating a covalent bond with uh, nucleic acids, and they can either cause misfolding, non-translation, just rem render it useless, or... If it's RNA, it would create an aberrant protein, but it can also engage in point mutation as well. So, I mean, my and just then quick scanner. Combine of, it with this. Yeah, this part. Sorry. So this this is where we get into this sticky ground of, well, these elements uh, seem to be critical for gene regulation. And, to, well, Correct me if I've got this wrong, but my understanding is the degree of uh, retroviral genetic material is sort of three times that for known coding regions for uh, the uh, our own proteome, right? And but that's the first figure that you were pointing at um, with uh, this paper. No, not this paper. Paper. This one. So um, it seems to me that if you've got, uh, you know, 3%, 8%, you, know, you could probably try and split hairs about that. But if um, what Christy is saying, that um, these are having promoter-type uh, control over, I don't know, uh, genes, gene. adjacent gene, yeah. Mm. And then you... Well, there's there's multiple vectors of attack. So you get in the promoter in there from the plasmid. As Which a is a continuous promoter. Mm. Yeah, sorry, I mean interrupt. Mm. Meaning it doesn't doesn't stop. It's continuous. Mm. And I, I know, man. I see lots. I see lots of areas where 
even with the best of intentions, it could go wrong. And someone with malicious intentions could really, really cause harm. And, you know, the... I don't know. Is it, is it worth the time and energy to be sort of researching into these um, retroviruses? Or is it a bit of a black box, in your opinion? No, for me, not. For me, it was the key. <laughs> okay. Um, because um, from a understanding of principle if you have like homologous shapes and function not so much from the like distinct genetic sequence but from the protein function like i worked on viral proteins non-structural proteins like enzymes of flaviviruses and um was working with them, doing gel electrophoresis, watching if they were able to unwind the double-stranded um, RNA or DNA or not. Mm. And so it was functional protein. But the structural proteins have um, the structural antigenic um, and, and the functional as well in the binding to the receptor where they kind of change um, conformation and that's kind of homologous and using homologous receptors and it's interesting that the COVID with these GP120 additions is using apparently one of the same receptors like HIV with the CD4 and the, probably the CCR5 because CCR5 inhibitors are used as inhibitors for um, COVID. And CCR5 is cytokine co-receptor 5. It is necessary um, for T-cell invasion in HIV. There are um, polymorphisms of this gene for the cytokine co-receptor 5 and there are there's another like X4 um, but they don't get HIV for instance they can't get um, HIV because the, the cytokine co-receptor polymorphism doesn't match so um, and that's the same approach um, that I did on um on COVID, um, when I saw that the um, GP120 are located in exactly the same posi position where it would be probable that it could unfold functionality um, with a CD4 receptor, we we see it in um, we have. I think we have papers now that show that that it's expressed in the CD4 population. And, yeah, um, yeah. So yeah. Um, it's not a hypothesis anymore. It was in January 2020. I was saying, like, if it's from a lab, is there co-infection, other bugs that have, might have leaked? Is there a recombination event probably that, like, mixes functionality of viruses? And that were that were my questions basically to the charity uh, prior to Pradran's paper, mm. and 
then Prada like came up with the HIV chimera. I was like, why? <laughs> Um, and then Trevor Bedford immediately attacked him. And I was like, okay, first signal, just wait. And then Montagnier came in with the GP120 um, sequences. And basically, um, are you there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, okay. uh, as, 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 as we're sort of monologuing, I, I want people to, rather than just staring at a paper, um, they can they can stare at you. Yeah, <laughs> far more entertaining. Yeah, I, I was I was just closing with um, basically I did nothing else for the deposition for for the um, um, like affidavits um, to to look into the paper and look what the references were and that's basically what was available in April twenty twenty. So it's um, and that's the key um, molecule with the GP41 glycoprotein and like uh, it builds um, the the envelope protein of the um, retrovirus much like the S1 and S2 subunit in the in the spike mm -hmm. and they are equally doing this um, um, pre-fusion confirmation change stuff and um they have a furin cleavage site. And guess what? It's necessary that they are these arginine residues. And Marburg has done a lot of research on that. And Nipah virus, which is currently um, coming up, is doing fusion as well. And they have like worked on that in Wuhan with Equal Health Alliance and all that. And like when you read about Nipah virus, you have these syncytia formations. So it's like many viruses do that. Um, and the endogenous retroviruses do that. And I guess the flaviviruses do that as well. I haven't studied the structural protein. I've studied the non-structural like enzyme, the, that dead box <laughs> enzyme that christy wanted to talk about with me because, yeah um, um actually i <laughs> you two should just uh, start going at that because it's uh, again i i steer very much away from that biology i'm just uh i'm just a lowly student in that space you know, so so am i i'm looking at a bunch of studies right now and i didn't know what to send or maybe you wanted to review them later uh herv k with uh als Herv W is implicated in multiple sclerosis. Herv H is uh, actually part of a, the function of schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. uh, and then Herv FC1 and Alzheimer's. And, yes, uh, I've seen it by all DNA these... methylation, and it's saying it's, it yeah. shuts off or, sorry. Uh, yeah, and it's even said... more. Sorry, on, it's even more. I, I sent um, Kevin, um, like, four slides of a presentation of Dietrich Klinghardt. Um, I don't know if you know him, it's, it's, it's a German doctor living in the US and um, he was in 2018, he was holding a lecture like one week prior to me, I was holding a lecture about retroviruses and how they entered like um, HIV and non-HIV retroviruses that might 
have entered the human species. And he was talking about herbs in, in his lecture and had four slides packed with um, references to Herb K and Herb um, W and even Herb and also Herb H um, with different um, patholog pathologies like ADHD, rheumatoid um, arthritis, all um, um, all sorts of autoimmune issues um, and and like chronic and silent inflammation um, issues. So it's it's not uncommon that these um, elements are part of um, like where your genetic susceptibility is. Like with some of them are associated with viruses. Like her activation comes often with EBV. That that's also in in the literature, and EBV and is like too, right? yes, that's associated as well. And like in MS, um, like the reason why you shouldn't eat meat is often the the also the parasitic infection. Wait, um, not eat meat. What's the matter with you? <laughs> when pregnant, when pregnant, oh, you okay. Know. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but raw meat. Um, I'm fine with met <laughs> Um, but um, you shouldn't eat that in pregnancy because of the um parasites that they test you. I'm lost in translation right now. You can say to German, kind of like scooping cat litter and toxoplasma, gone. Yeah, toxo, yeah, toxoplasma, right, mm. right. And so, um, that's. Um, well, so I was not, I, I, I forgot where I was going. Sorry. Well, it's, it's that we see Herve activation, we see it with a lot of pathologies, mm. um, whether that's yes. in infections, I've you can find literature and you there. You can't protect from EBV, you can't. It is basically, um, we have, um, it, it's called kissing disease because you get it in puberty when you exchange oh, no. uh, fluids. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. and uh, some that's going around. It. By the way, I'm sorry to interrupt. In the U.S., yeah. mono is going around, and there's there's I, I know think half a dozen a, people with mono right now. I don't. But homology. It's crazy. I think there's a homology. Um, someone on, on Twitter had it. Um, with uh the COVID with COVID, um, yeah. Mm, Spike one of my friends okay. yeah. sorry i didn't mean to interrupt it's i just it's i was just always curious just how much tiny it's going around right now it's it's always just tiny epitopes but if you get an immune reaction to this like epitope in that moment when you have the signaling because of all the other epitopes that are making stress then you will probably have also um a reaction to that um part of the um um surface presented and then you know your immune system is like searching for surfaces and with ebv with epstein-barr virus you have like um higher probability to um have to get uh, hashimoto's for instance like autoimmune reaction on 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 your thyroid like also with um like gluten um and leaky gut then you can like have 
um, cross-reactive autoimmune um, reaction on your own tissues. And that's depending on where the genetic susceptibility is. But these retroviruses are classically in the gut and the brain. It's the first site of infection. And then with HIV, um, there is also this, like, it's full of immune cells, the gut and the brain as well with the microglia and it's the reservoir. So actually what what might so, be useful for people is to bring up uh, what do we need to do that uh, share screen i would love though to talk about dead box or what joanna's <laughs> experience because i i got researching and reading about it because i was looking into what can RNA and the DNA plasmids bind to in the human body and some of the dead box proteins are not really discriminating no, when it comes aren't. to what they bind to and <clears throat> uh, they can bind to pieces of that plasma DNA that can impact the dead box family so not just p53 but like the when I was talking about dead box like for those yeah. unaware like if you see ddx3 ddx41 ddx54 those are what are called dead box protein and DDX3 binds to, to RNA and has transcriptional regulation activities, but they're also implicated in all the cancers, like the slide deck that I had and you sent me, Joanna, that one screen that shows the dead box proteins and then it lists which cancers they're associated with. And but you were talking about the human dead box um, yeah. proteins, right? The, the, the endogenous, yeah. because I, I was studying viral dead box enzymes. Okay. So we always had as a control the human superfamily two viral uh, um, um, helicase dead box protein running with the tests, with the inhibitors. Um, like I was running a column with uh, um, this human um, dead box protein, then West Nile virus, hepatitis C, um, dengue virus. Um, and I was putting um, inhibitors like small molecules on them and trying. And so I was using DNA and RNA. Um, and actually, my enzymes work better with DNA, but it's RNA viruses. It's it's a non-structural protein of RNA viruses, and they work be better with the DNA oligo um, nucleotides. So that was kind of before interesting. Before you delve into the but, dead box genes a little more, there was a question in the chat which I think might um, help frame this discussion a little bit. Actually, it's from Centipede. Um, so it's directed to both of you. Um, thoughts on pseudouridine impact? Um, it is larger issue than plasmid contamination, in his opinion, mm -hmm. since this methyluridine will be recycled for use endogenously. And he wishes Kevin McKenna would give more attention to it. But um, the yeah, so methylated. Methylated pseudouridine. So we have methyl groups brought into the cells and this pseudouridine, which has like different um, like translation um, 
read um like issues like problems built in there like stock coding read through um and um usually the body has pseudo reading in signaling um rna so that's the part where um these are probably more stable and yes i think it's uh important to not forget that because there is a lot of dna and plasmid in there found like everywhere like even the um the german lab just recently um confirmed dna contamination within mm-hmm. like closed vials the mmd um of dr koenig i think so we have another um lab um confirming the dna but um but does this um i heard another's coming i don't know if i'm allowed to say that another on another in it from another country is about to post that so, would be, so yeah, yeah that's unquestionable i think it's it's not if we're just cleaning um the plasmids out there the rna platform with pseudoridine is perfectly fine i think we can't say that i think it, it's it's <laughs> It's absolutely experimental what's done out there. Mm-mm. Right. Yeah, like everything I've designed in biotech has been for people with genetic disease and cancer. And yeah, and, and, and never they for always anyone had, healthy. And and they had target, right? And and what yes. they usually is if, if highly they purified to... in small batches that maybe but, were like three or four of these and that was it with with high high just high purification, but there was also consequences and side effects that people had to sign off on for clinical trial, right? Yeah, um, and, and right now, I, I think they had antigens for tumor antigens, so it, it would only go to the tumor. Right now, correct. it's used with, used with like the uptake You're talking about of CAR-T cortisol. Therapy and then the, the, the recombinant antibody, like, were you talking about CAR-T therapy, Juana, like no, this isn't an LNP right now. Like this would be the, uh, like the, you're talking about B cells and T cells, but then how you, you design a monoclonal antibody for people in where they, you know, antibodies are a Y shape and you've got a constant region on the bottom and a variable. And then you, you design the top of the Y to recognize the, the tumor. So it goes, it goes directly to that, right? That you're talking about. Yeah. So that's always been specialized and not just blasted throughout the whole body. Yeah. They are using cholesterol and APOE uptake. It's like uh, uh, your endothelium is designed to take that up and your heart and your brain. And the mitochondria. Because, yeah. Because they are dependent on the energy that is provided by the fatty acids. And, um, you know, targeted gene therapy on tumors and staged uh, right to try is People not are dying right yeah but, but that's not preventive jabbing of children and pregnant or or like that's that's a whole complete different field of medicine and suddenly oncologists are saying are telling everyone that we can fight off infectious disease like that it's like in, in my approach was inhibitors and 
my PI was always like, yeah, they can try to use the immune system. I would rather go directly, you know, like there, there's a whole issue of, of your function in your body and not everybody builds uh, antibodies and then the neutralizing antibodies are important and if you don't have enough neutralizing, then you have probably binding antibodies, which can cause ADE in bugs that lead to ADE. And um, with COVID, that if you if you with, had to put, uh, how much of this excess death do you think could just be placed on um, ADE? ADE, yeah, or all. all of it? Mm. Yeah. That's what I said. That's what I predicted. You will see it in different tissues and the tissues would be the ones that have um, like um, the major um, immune cells because it's the dendritic cells that get like the Trojan horses for um, the enhanced disease and they carry it to the lymph nodes and that's why you don't need to have viremia. You know, when I discussed with that um, um, friend of Fauci, <laughs> CDC. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I know who you're on And about. he always asked about viremia. And I was like, dude, it's a lymphatic disease. <laughs> mm -hmm. And you don't need to have viremia. You have viremia in the blood, like meaning genetic material of, of the pathogen in the blood. But it's basically the um, um, dendritic antigen presenting cells that go to the um, lymph nodes and present um, it to the T cells and the B cells so that antibodies can form and you can build up immunity. That's your normal seroconversion process. <laughs> That's why you get swollen lymph nodes because it's not staying in the mucosa because it's carried to the lymph nodes and then you get the memory self there. Mm. That's, you know, I get it. It's, it's the argument of distribution into the arm and not getting mucosal um well again um, you know looking but, at that pet study that's just come out and for long covid and where what where are the major reservoirs it's parotid glands the um yeah nasal turbinates the next and the, most disturbingly for me is um in the brainstem and yes and, and, you know, the bulbous olfactorius here, mm -hmm. the olfactory bulb is right there. And you, if you have no spray with contaminated, uh, like biologicals, for instance, um, like the next vaccine for all the syringe for big people right now, mm -hmm. do that's that would be the next thing that they do. Also with uh, the GP120. If everybody knew about the GP120 and Fauci has the um, patents of the inhibitors against that, guess who gains mm. the money? I have so, a question, and this is not in my realm, but I was super curious because you brought it up, Joanna, about you know the old factory when people are discussing the drop in birth rates. And we talked about lipid nanoparticle going to, I think Naomi Wolf has talked about this too, like she showed some data on this uh, going to the ovaries we know ovaries drive menstruation and follicle stimulating hormone and the cells in there but when you mentioned the olfactory like people were talking about libido in general being down 
I know there's some conflicting opinions about this as of recently in studies, but the olfactory is tied to uh, MHC major histocompatibility complex and HLA leukocyte, especially for females. When we smell and mate selection, and I'm unsure in men, but if the olfactory is impacted and not working properly, that's also tied to pheromone yeah. mate selection yeah, or no, immune no, system no and detection of, of mm. mate and sex. And mm. they said people's libidos were down. So I was curious if that was, I was curious if either one of your thoughts on that, because that's outside of my wheelhouse, but I'm, I've always been fascinated because I'm not, a I'm not attracted to a pronoun. And I mentioned this one on, once on Twitter and I got told I was uh, choice words for bringing it up, but I said, well, you know, when you enter a room who you want to have sex with, you know, very quickly, your body knows biologically because the immune system is tied to genes and you're going that uh, MHC is involved. And I think there's been studies too, where women like were put in a group and their, their husbands or partners, you know, wore shirts all day and then they put them in bags and kind of like disperse them. And then, you know, women were blindfolded and didn't know what they were smelling. And some were like, like get that away where others were like, mm, that's, that's like my man, mm -hmm. but that, that olfactory is tied to MHC. So I was just curious if that was tying into the other factors which are contributing to the lower birth rates. No no more uh, fish no called Wanda type scenes. <laughs> you, you in remember? the boot. Yeah. yeah. In the boot. Kevin Klein and... Mm. Right, I, I don't know. I maybe, maybe that movie is a bit old for most people. I, but... I've seen it. I've seen a fish yeah. called Wanda when he's like inhaling the... yeah, just... <laughs> Jamie Curtis's boot. And he's, and he's just sniffing himself and... <laughs> And then he's I don't know about. <laughs> You've never seen Fish Called Wonder. Can we uh, just pull it up? Can we just? Pull it up? Um, yeah. Let me, so, let to me try to break that. up the science a little bit, to yeah. have a little break of uh, humor <laughs> in the mix. I don't know about the M MHC um, association, but um, the olfactory bulb is the pr first primary uh, brain nerve. It's it's part of the central nervous system, um, and, and the first thing that evolves in embryology um, as an extension of the brain into the periphery, and it it, it hasn't um, in the contact with the nasal mucosa. It ha doesn't have a um, blood brain brain barrier. It's very thin up there, and you can like basically um, push these nasal swabs through that thin, th thin creepy form um, um, plate there. That's why it's forbidden to do it like this. And I always get pain when I see the advertisement. It's like you have like you have to go really swab. horizontal. Yeah. yeah, and it's like up until here. So you get the I don't know if you want to do it properly, but that's besides. Um, oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The, no the, idea. It's, it's, it has a direct contact to the primordial centers in the brainstem and like the, the anosmia um I'm, no amygdala is more in the well, limbic it's, system. It's, yeah, but that's Kevin's it's limbic area. network <laughs> and they're all uh, um you, you smell fear there's a lot of um, that's fight or flight that's why i was curious yeah, if it's yeah. the limbic system and then that mm. would impact yep they're all very but tightly people would be having anxiety then from mm. that or the panic attacks that we hear of like mm. I, i'm hearing people i haven't contracted any COVID or anything that I know of since 2019 end of, but I'm hearing people getting whatever they're getting right now. I've heard the phrase that their neurological landscape is being affected and, and they are, they're feeling 
neurologic they're feeling mentally off and mm -hmm. they're getting the loss of sense of taste and smell again yeah i think it's different hierarchies in, in the brain that get affected there but the brainstem argument is with the people that are telling you that they had to consciously breathe like th there were um people in the the primary phase that were talking to me and saying um these aspiration pneumonia that these covid patients had ha had sometimes due to no not having reflexes and that's mm. all in in the autonomic the... was affected yeah, yeah like so this the... this this falls very squarely in this um domain of um when they when they're talking about protocols and you know did they kill people with protocols um it may be that you know the decision to intubate people um to lessen spread um in at a time where those reflex centers would be being dysregulated and if there isn't the conscious drive being put onto it those synapses will essentially weaken while the machine is doing the the breathing so it's not like people weren't getting the oxygen they needed i mean i'm sure they blew out a bunch of lungs <laughs> that, that much is sure but it may have been that they just couldn't get people to re-establish their own breathing as they tried to bring them out because of damage in the in the brainstem and you would have to go to the, um very more than your average um autopsy to be looking if that was the cause in this particular instance because they were when they're intubated it just kept going and going right they didn't slow yeah the and it just decouples that happened yeah it just decouples the higher order breathing centers that you would um have you know you can consciously decide to breathe right and yes sorry man i, I, I know you're uh... it's okay it's okay you you're the brain um that's yeah. why I'm here, you know, mm. um, topic brain. But they in, in Hamburg, we have in, in Germany, we had Professor Burkhardt do the autopsy on the, on the vaccine injured as second opinion. But we also had the uh, Hamburg cohort where everyone in my city that died with a positive positive COVID test got an autopsy in the first um waves and they have done immunostaining immunohistostaining like Anna Burkhardt has done with nucleocapsid and spike and they have the the expression of both in the brain and nucleocapsid in the brain stem mm -hmm. as far as I recall but there is actually um it is shown that it's infiltrating the brain stem mm -hmm. and um with this techniques and basically it's 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 it has its control in itself because it's not staining every type of tissue mm -hmm. and you can see it localized in the cell and not outside it's not like you mm -hmm. you get your dye over it and um um then you have like dispatch dying or whatever but yeah it's, i mean it's it's, it's special it's it's well established that it's yeah. it's hitting these respiratory centers and again just as a unforeseen consequence or may, may have just been completely malicious but they knew that the putting people onto ventilators there with that damage in the brainstem even though everything else could be you know you're going to get 
um, EEG readings and everything could potentially look okay. But if the brain, if the respiratory centers are damaged and decoupled and they're unable to um, imprint a rhythm when the, when you withdraw the mechanical ventilation, um, you're in a you're in a tricky spot. You either put them back on the machine and hope that, that there's some repair mechanism uh, or re-establishment of these um, rhythms that are integral to their um, functioning. And it, or it, you do early therapy and don't go to that stage. Mm, you mm, know mm. that that's. Uh, mm. um, that, but they that's they, they the found main... they found yeah. that. You know, it was enough to give patients oxygen, and so long as they were breathing, you could get them through this. And so, uh, the intubation factor, I think, died down. Re well, I'll say relatively quickly, but you know, they didn't have enough to go around anyway, like they want, like they wanted. Thank goodness, mm. right? Like I remember, New York was trying to intubate a bunch of people, and they. Well, I, I, they, they, they did a whole bunch, but the, um, you know, the we have too much um, global data, which is the areas where medical facilities, you, you, you're no way in a position to be venting all those people, right? So all the, and there are standout countries, particularly in South America and the Eastern Europe who just shut up now again um wh why were they synchronized in such a way again uh, I don't have problems with multiple release of this agent if that's what we're looking at as a biowarfare um strategy um uh, but the the impact on respiratory centers is a is a established pathology and you know the the people who think it it may not have have anything to do with other other drugs that they've given right you, like when they say you've given someone midazolam and morphine well they you you're putting them on a vent usually in that instance right so you you're going for artificial um coma and you'll be titrating in propofol usually and the machine can do the breathing um they're, they're not unless unless you know they're just uh, putting a nasal cannula on them in the in the last moments and then giving them a huge jump of uh, but anything that would be mechanically done um yeah it, 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 you, you could load them up with a bunch of drugs that normally would shut you down because you're you're breathing's controlled yeah yeah. yeah, but there there are multiple issues to it. Also, the um, antibiotic use. Um, mm. I think there are stats that it, it went down, mm -mm. and um, you have typically after viral infection with an immune, uh, like de depleting agent, and that's mm. described in SARS one that fifty percent had affected CD four and CD eight population and reduced NK cells during the SARS. So if you have a reduction of that and um, you have like opportunistic um, like bacteria and viruses that can reactivate and grow 
a sustained bacterial pneumonia. And if you don't give uh, like uh, the three tablets, then you you can have the, the follow up um, problems. And it was like this this narrative of the new virus it, it was in fact dangerous in a way because everybody thought well oh it's new we don't know what to do against it and i was like okay well look um ambroxol like bromhexine is a tmprrs uh inhibitor which is spike binding and and enabling the entry into your cell you start with entry inhibition and then you try to block every entry mechanism mm -hmm. that you can block and you have the spike tmprrss2 which is focused on by these like by the likes of stefan perman the ace2 receptor that's the, the binding mechanism of, which Omicron doesn't use so much, but you have, have also the endosomal entry via cathepsin and all the other binding mechanisms that like neuropiline and like um, and acetylcysteine, um, like which is a neurotransmitter mm -hmm. and uh, is maybe um, involved in also the um, um, neurological um, um, affection. And yeah, yeah. It, it, there are so many mechanisms and um the overventilation and and like a viral pneumonia is definitely different it's the pneumonitis or alveolitis so the the lung tissue is inflamed it's vulnerable if if you have inflamed tissue and you do surgery then you have to be very careful with your with your instruments because it bleeds very fast and if you do high pressure high um volume um respiration like vent um settings then you will have lung injury and that's basically um i have worked in um, ventilation um icu like where we did the just the mask things um not not intubated but we had um people coming from icu um in the weaning phase and it's always hard to get them from the we um, from from the vents mm. that's always an issue mm. and if you have additional to that the the brainstem issues mm. then it's it, it's even harder and if you start in that time frame with antivirals then honestly it's too late and that's mm. um what was done with the AZT as well i think where the the hiv um patient had the pneumocystis carinii opportunistic infection intracellular bug which comes up flares up when the immune system comes down and that's basically what we see with ebv with herpes viruses with um all these issues that even the herbs they are flaring up when the methylation machinery isn't holding um the herbs in check um when the nk cells um do not do, do the patrolling um of the MHC one um, um, so antigen when you presenting, were, then you get cancers. When you were triaging these patients at the beginning, what's as a clinician, was there enough there that you you would say, oh, that's a definite ventilation case. That that's a, and what 
cohort was that? I'm, I would make the presumption it would be the the elderly in this instance, but um, we may as well get a first-hand experience here. Oh, it was uh, it was special because so many people came from the Alps from the ski resorts because Hamburg had uh, vacations and it's the the ski skiing vacations in Hamburg is crazy about going to ski mm. and everyone is in was in the Arberg region St Moritz which was closed down parallel like a little bit later after Italy and which is like close to, to um, Milan, Bergamo, and all all the areas around Davos. Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, interesting um, time. Uh, I, I was in contact with people who were in Davos from my former workplace, like making contacts there. I don't know their involvements, but um, um, they told me that everyone came back sick from there so um we had a huge population that was young working and like wealthy so we had in the first place we had um young people um being suspect case and and um it was more the elderly that really had a problem or the immunosuppressed um it, it's hard for me to say because we were testing only if there were signs of pneumonia mm -hmm. and and uh, the risk region um, travel. Mm -hmm. So that was the first time where we only we had this um, like um, to to raise the probability of a positive test, and we had still only ten percent of the people that got a test being positive so 90 percent weren't positive for covid in that moment so what did they have you know it wasn't that um every other virus went away but um it wasn't only these 10 percent in the highest part and i can't tell if the one that i talked to was a, just a suspect case with a negative test or you know i i didn't get the uh, the feedback <laughs> i was just deciding okay you fit the criteria or not okay. that's really that doesn't feel good as an md if you're just this little tiny mm -hmm. step in the wheel because um it was like three months or uh, something later that we got the test positivity rates and it was like it was only 10 percent at the highest mm. nearly under 10 percent. that's not much and um so um so it, i was it, impressed i was impressed by um the sudden strokes and the sudden um consciousness loss from these clotting events mm -hmm. most probably that was what came out in the um in the autopsies that there's a pathology adding to it with the clotting disease and so i came to the conclusion it's a 
vas more vascular disease, which is logical because of the ACE2 receptor, mm -hmm. is a vascular enzyme for the angiotensin um, to be converted. Angiotensin converting enzyme and we GPs use that as a target for blood pressure medication like daily. Mm -hmm. So usually I would have thought that my colleagues would make the the transport that it can affect the vasculature. But it's like you're discussing this right now with people that it's not only a pulmonology pul Yeah, you still have to try and problem. get that um, through to people, right? Even at this time. And it's normal. In, in, in medicine, it's typical that these viral um, pneumonia um, and, and follow-up problems can look the same like a vasculitis, like, for instance, an autoimmune um, um, syndrome can cause the same, like, long-term COVID sequelae on the, on the, on the lungs. Mm. But um, you don't, so if you, if you, you don't have... If you come up, I, I know we're sort of straying away from her somewhat, but this is, um, it's always fascinating getting your take because you were there right at the beginning and so um these first-hand accounts are very precious so i i did i did a um i did swap testing i, I had direct contact with swap testing as of november 2020 and i had some young patients presenting there being like fearful right. um with the comment that their friend died with 22 in summer of 2020 mm. of a multi-system um, breakdown of organs. And basically that's the cytokine storm that like if you get an immune system infiltration and um, get like the cytokines going from the infiltrated and damaged cells, mm. because then the target tissue that gets inflamed is the tissue that has all the Molotov cocktails in them. Mm. And so they are even more activating the inflammatory cascades. And that can actually lead to the, the severe disease and this misks like, like um, pediatric um, multi-inflammatory syndrome. Like that mm -hmm. Ramonidine Joanna was being used? Is it still? Because I saw it in clinical trial and Dr. Malone had said that's what he used and then it kind of got an explosion to inhibit the cytokine storm. The famotidine. Yes, it's yeah. um, the, the famotidine is uh, uh, um, H, um, H2 blocker. H2 blocker and it's not available anymore here. Do you want um, me, mm, send some <laughs> to you? Now we have, um, there was a change in the pharma, um, but it's like anti-allergic in a way where you have this, um, the, the basophilic um, granulocytes, it's, it's a subset of the white blood cells, but not the lymphocytes, which are T cells and, and B cells, but the granulocytes, which go on patrol to bacteria and larger um, pathogens and they they only have um, um, like mast cell activation and and um, 
degranulation. Arne Burkhardt has searched for that after he um, heard some other pathology um, groups showing this degranulation of these mast cells and, and like they um, histamine, bradykinine, all these um, super inflammatory signals into the um, environment. And um, Anna Burkhardt has shown that in the heart tissues. So if you, they are working like Molotov co cocktails and even more giving inflammatory signals. And so as, as a, um, so that would like dim that down the pharmacogene. So the, the contention at the moment, um, is that everything was, um, protocols in the first months, um, in, in the U S um, what was your what what's your feeling about that in with respect to germany was there the reduction in antibiotics was there overventilation um did, did you did you personally come up with or like, i know you said you were just a little cog in a um very dark uh, <laughs> set of wheels but um you know, there's there is the pathology, and there is I don't I don't know if it was like a perfect storm, and they um, that was done deliberately. They knew what they were doing in that respect with withholding treatment. There were some, yeah, there were some things that were kind of deliberately done, like withholding hydroxychloroquine yeah. from um, like MDs couldn't get hydroxychloroquine for themselves. Um, usually it's normal that you can get it. There was kind of um, a ban in the pharmacies where only the long-term prescription patients could get these medications. Mm. And um, the pharmacies were advised to anonymize the prescription and send it via fax to the pharma company that is selling the medication, which was Sanofi. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what? There's this anonymization of my patient, but my name is sent over to the pharma company because mm -hmm. I'm prescribing it and I need to put um, the um, diagnosis. They were saying because they are running out of it and they want to make sure that the chronic patients get it but it took mm. from march to basically june or something that you couldn't get it june or longer I, you know it's it was and the surgery um, scandal was around that time we had the outbreak was in it the that early I want to say it was... it was June and and the Darabi slum was in like April to, to May mm. um, in, in India where they handed out uh, hydroxychloroquine. And basically my approach to hydroxychloroquine wasn't um, the, the ionophore, the, the zinc ionophore effect, mm. which you can get with lots of flavonoids or other medications as well to have the the zinc come into the cells to load up the zinc antiviral proteins and basically i take zinc when i get like, like a um 
the sniffles and um, hope that I it's not a getting quick medical worse. question. Sorry, that <laughs> relates to yeah. the zinc. I take a lot of sublingual to avoid the first pass metabolism, and then I don't always absorb the greatest. So I use sublingual zinc, which is a little difficult to get, but I'm curious if that has the same effect. I have to watch that I don't eat within a certain time frame, but I'm using sublingual, like I use sublingual D, sublingual Bs, and I found sublingual zinc. And I was just curious if you knew if that was similar with its impact on the cells as the ionophore. Because it's going right into my bloodstream. I'm not hitting my guts. Well, it, it would still be producing the ionophore blocking but, um, response. Cool. Uh, the, what, the, your question is more about bioavailability. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, right. I take magnesium sublingual too. I used to take mag. Is it glycinate? I take nicotine over. sublingual. That's. Uh... <laughs> no, you do. <laughs> I'm trying not to vape on this stream, so I'm sort Go of ahead. munching, munching through uh, mints and. If uh... you were doing it for me, because I I'm a. No, actually, I get it. people are bitching in the comments. Stop vaping on. That's his binky. I know, I know there's there's a um there are difficulties in uptake in in gut disturbances uh, sometimes of these trace minerals. So um. Um, and and vitamins as well. I can't say anything to the biodistribution. Um, I, I, the sublingual. Not, not... I just know for the D because I've had low D because I live in Wisconsin. Yeah. It's very cold and we don't get a lot of sun and I'm pale skin ginger. But my, my D levels were single digits and I went on the prescription pill and nothing was happening. And then we went on, I went on 150,000 IU a week of uh, vitamin D and nothing was happening for prescription. And as soon as I hit sublingual 10,000 IU a day, my numbers popped up to 80 NG over ML within three months. I have it with um, B12. But, um, I take the sublingual for that too. Yeah. So okay. it's off. How can you talk to anyone? <laughs> Popping all these things under you. They're tiny. It must take you. Oh, okay. And the, the D tastes like nothing. It just tastes just like a little starchy and it's it's a micro tab mm. so it's but it, and then, d is usually taken up via fat uh, uptake right um so yeah it's impressive that it works so well i i would always recommend to check in your individual because you know one individual is not I the overshot. same as the other so um sometimes um it isn't taken up via the gut and you can do whatever you want and sometimes um then <laughs> That could be an approach, but um, if you take too much, then you can. Um, Hyper, I like think it's hypercalcemia it's, can happen because I think mine hit one ten over one ten ng over ml. My doctor, like we had to back down fast. Yes, you need to, to know the the, um, the flanking uh, issues with that. So, um, like calcium uptake, or uh, and what um, what I think is interesting on the vitamin D topic is that that was um, suppressed as well. And like N-acetylcysteine, like a, a ROS endothelitis um, treating remedy that is licensed for uh, um, cough solving in upper respiratory um, um, diseases. And you, you could have done all that and sunlight exposure, vitamin D levels, all that. And it was like, 2021 in March or, or April that they came up with, well, vitamin D could do something for your immune system. Now that's basic knowledge. Mm. 
so um like vitamin d works like a hormone in infection <laughs> you, you use it so um and you basically um where do you get it from the fishes and the fatty acids it's yeah I, I, I hate fish i'll just take synthetic d <laughs> <laughs> yeah and the contamination of fishes with toxins and heavy metals isn't you know yeah i'm not so sure so those vitamin pills are clean either but <laughs> not all that's correct that's correct and so um let me let me was... let me try and drag the conversation back a little bit yeah. to um herbs and prions because um it, it, it's actually been a while since we've had a sort of face-to-face -face conversation for a while dr and... fleming is in the chat hello was he oh hello richard I hope you will. Um, did I? Uh, I didn't have the chat up. Uh, I saw these pathways and published treatments, including DC. Yes, um, I can recommend everyone. Uh, Richard has put out a um, nice free series um, set of videos, very in depth, and um, I encourage everyone. I did have them ready to sort of uh, push as a um as a normal stream but um perhaps we can we can do another round table where we can um listen to richard's um investigations but i want to i want to come back to the herb issue and oh yeah please go on. talking about therapy and all that um i was impressed hearing and i might be uh kevin mckernan would be interested in discussing that that the methylation of the dna and um the regulation of inflammation signals and also cancerous um, development is influenced by endocannabinoids and cannabinoids and that was interesting because i in my surgery time with tumor um surgery i was like digging deep into the crosstalk and there were these cannabinoid receptors down and up regulated and, and judy mikowitz talked about that and there are ways to modulate the epigenetic um, silencing of these endogenous retroviruses. And if you think about EBV, which is mononucleosis, five fascist Drüsenfieber in German. So it's, Say that it's again. a disease, five fascist Drüsenfieber. Five fascist Drüsenfieber. <laughs> Drüsenfieber. Drüsenfieber, <laughs> okay. Like gland fever. Okay, okay. Fever, yeah, we call it glandular um, fever in English. Yeah. But. Um, but you have these these sequelae for a while, but they recover as well. And sometimes it takes half a year, a year. Mm -mm. It was like that um, 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 in the childhood of my mom. But um, the body can recover. Sometimes it takes longer. Um, I I don't like to lose hope. <laughs> Mm -hmm. when it comes to the um to the um consequence of, of what we are talking and these herbs are activated via demethylation of the dna and that's 
and the anti-inflammatory mechanisms of cannabinoids and endocannabinoids are described and Judy holds interesting lectures about that and I think Charles um, talked about the DARPA um, investigating methylation and epigenetic yeah. um, uh, modulation so to look which genes are activated and which aren't yeah so literally they can tell um if you've either had exposure via virus or um gene transfection um they they can have a pretty good guess at whether you're going to be you're going to have a hard time of it or you're going to uh, brush it off and this temporarily was too correct kev sorry like temporarily yes like he was discussing that they can they can hone in on the the day or the yeah, yeah. Really so when you time, had it kind of like a cruise missile yeah and that was technology that was withheld um as you know they abused pcr um testing and again yeah it was they they could have predicted who would go into a severe um mm. cause of covid and who would have not and basically, it was like 20% of the ones getting a positive test had maybe bigger problems around a day, day eight, like, like the new, um, uh, the, the South African medical doctor, um, on the conference, uh, with your oh, uh, that you had. Yeah. Um... He was explaining the, the, um, like, uh, slow, um, immunotoxic uh allergotoxic reaction on day eight um i don't know i've gone to get milk um sorry about that minefield pizza or minecraft pizza <laughs> yeah he's uh <laughs> he's, he wants on the computer already anyway he's, he can barely open his eyes and uh... <laughs> <laughs> you see, I can see him sort of staring at the screen when it see what's going on. Yeah, but um, so I, there there are ways to to get it silenced. But um, the vitamin D is essential. It seems there are groups here in Germany um, who are investigating this whole crosstalk and doing lymphocyte differentiation in the vex injured and all that. And there seems to be. An effect with what's called the vitamin binding uh, protein, and it's related to something that got some colleagues uh, like uh, suicided. Okay. Um, when they when they investigated GCMF, like granulocyte, um, um, like colony stimulating factor GCMF was is um tied to vitamin d and um they were looking into uh, the vaccine injured and had like a switch in the regulation of the um um the cytokine levels with with this basic approach of vitamin binding pro protein this is what i think is interesting to go back to these essential things and that's why i appreciate um um also the the comment of um of um richard because it's basically that's what we could have done we could have 
explain the basic immunological needs of your body, like zinc antiviral proteins that you can load up with your zinc antiviral uh, plant um, early therapy, so you don't need the the um, the severe ones, or you get an antibiotic if yeah, you want. Are one of the, the issue we have twenty percent is. is hmm? You know, all this advice was available. There was multiple mm. early treatments um, that could have been used that had doctors been allowed to just do their job. But someone but we had, somewhere yeah. had the power, right, literally, and, and this is to real To publish power. a Lancet letter, to publish a Lancet letter, which was cited with everyone talking about it, this being a lab leak is a conspiracy theorist, anti-science, dangerous, and all that. Yeah. So that's that was one main... aspect. I'm I'm just I'm just talking about the ability to say across health um, regulatory bodies, you're doing it this way, and yeah. it was it that was across the world, and. You know who has the power to do that? That's that's the question, and the that goes hand in hand with um, the premise that we're looking at uh, the use of biowarfare agents on a on a mass scale, and that, you know that I was I did a stream earlier, and you know the first part was sort of relatively mild and. Um, for normie people, I guess, but you know, after we just sat there and spoke, and you know, there there are so many dark elements that just c came together, and I don't think they came together by accident. Someone knew how oh. to piece all these things together from the molecular to the national, supranational. I was, I was twenty-two when I got lectured about this scenario that i just witnessed and i want and it happened anyway mm. it was like and it's like i really wish yeah. we could get a, a, a written reference of that protocol though or, or that type of strategizing I, I i have no doubt that you saw that and it makes perfect sense but it would be um i've i've yes. scoured for that but you know the what the slide deck of the U7. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, so, where I saw these trucks that drove through Wuhan the yeah. first time in my life. Yeah. It was her closing. And she was talking about an aerosolized Agent X. The, the worst disease that you can imagine. It's aerosolized, spreads like the flu, has all these nasty um, um functions of all these other viruses like i call them asshole criteria it's like fusion mechanism and mm -hmm. and um and um vascular and disease it's like five or something it's not too many but the viruses have them expressed in different forms so mm -hmm. they would agent x would be all of that together and then different uh, tissue epitopes and spread aerosolized like that's what mm. was the aerosolized or um, droplet airborne spread was the thing that she said was um, it's it's just the airways are so like for living if you have compromised breathing then you get 
uh, in panic real fast and you need oxygen and that's where you get the the um delivery problems in such a situation if you get out of oxygen because you have such an amount of patients coming to your um um ER and needing it because they are on like 80% or something mm. and um that's where you don't want to be overwhelmed with a respiratory problem, mm. um, every other disease um, is not so pressuring on the um, yeah you've got you, the, you've the got infrastructure. Some, mm, mm. Well, and uh, this, this was seen but, in, in, in mm. the countries that didn't have infrastructure, as they were, you, you saw them raiding um, welding stocks, right, for oxygen. Um, you know, it's not medical grade, but yeah, I guess if you're gasping for air, um, I, I'd do it. I, I wouldn't think twice about um, pulling on an oxygen bottle from a welding factory. <laughs> Hang the consequences. And that, and that military researcher was talking about what could you do in that situation? What do you have as countermeasures? And there are these old countermeasures like chlorine or um, dioxide, mm -hmm. uh, like, like uh, CDL, um, um, water decontamination but that's old and like a shotgun approach that was her comment and um you know when we have research the chinese are doing a lot of research um with with these kinds of viruses so they have these trucks and she sh showed this mm. this big truck that was like driving in like a f five row through Wuhan. And that was the moment when I thought, yeah, well, I, I've seen these trucks before. Mm. That was the moment she said, when you see these, then you know they have a problem with something that they think think is severe and airborne. Mm. And that was the moment, you know, many saw it as a show like like Jonathan, this Scooby Doo, and they are just doing it for show. But mm. um, if, like Charles has um, described, all the um, respiratory patients that have presented in the hospitals that that the, he had researched from publications, which doesn't match to the Vorobi yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, distribution, um, they had um, they had. A problem since about September yeah, yeah. in Wuhan, mm. and you know, the question just the becomes though, you know, was it planted mm. or was it? And in the current environment, I'm just I'm just leaning towards um, planted right now, deliberate. It's proved to me that it wasn't right now, and. Right. So, maybe the first outbreak wasn't but then you maybe as i if there's something hinting on an outbreak mm. like say somewhere else on the world mm. and you would want to have someone being targeted then you would like release it there mm. <laughs> you know it's like um but I can't tell where the other hotspots have been. You know, our waves, our uh, flu waves in Europe were heavy since 2017. We had like 2017, 18, we had huge flu waves and who knows what that was, you know? Mm. 
that's what Judy also said. They were changing protocols from the flu vaccines to the egg-free flu vaccines, mm. which are produced with Madindabi kidney cells, mm. which means dog cells, which have a lot of coronaviruses um, as natural contaminants. And that's these xenotropic viruses. If you have these as production site for your biological then it's probably not as good uh, uh, I the mean, same th- problem th- those, with the those would be subunit vaccines and I, I i would have to think that that christy can probably answer this but I, I would presume that they could filter out at least whole viruses um but then you've got the issue of you know what's wrapped up in um exam. it doesn't take long to to, to disinfect you, you know it's like uh, it's uv um <laughs> uv uh radiation that um you can treat um blood products with or all these um biologicals and you know, the, the interesting part is with the September timeline in Wuhan is that Merkel, the chancellor of Germany, had to travel to Wuhan mm-hmm. on the 7th of September and on the 12th of September, Wuhan shut down their database. Mm-hmm. And you know, what can be transported with diplomatic luggage? Mm-hmm. A lot, which is not on the record. And, you know, I remember the years prior to that, where we had these huge, we will have a HIV and malaria and tuberculosis vaccine all in one. Mm -mm -mm. And nobody talks about that anymore. So from my perspective, I think it might, there is an hypothesis. I don't, I didn't came up with it, but I can't refute it. (laughs) And that's, what if there was uh an experiment like phase one phase two phase three in humans because it's like the rrtg 13 and sars-cov-2 doesn't bind to bats Mm. Why, why would you declare that as a universal bat vaccine when it doesn't even have tropism to bat cells but it's prime for humans like Mm. yeah and we don't we don't know what um vaccines if there was like this earlier release in wuhan and they maybe they dished out um some some type of countermeasure and you know the everyone was like oh the people face planting and that that's all staged but if they've gone around and done we see people face planting now and collapsing and you know perhaps that was just a glimpse into uh, a microsm of what we're we're seeing now and you know i, I did a just a link to a yeah, there were, but you know there was this patient where they found nipper in a covid patient mm-hmm. but that nipper virus was still with with the caps for for the um plasmid like <laughs> like definitely i i didn't read that paper i just read through description but um that's an interesting yeah, that's adrian um, and uh dr Quay and uh yuri yuri's paper yeah you know and you have can have multiple uh, viruses infecting at the same time we had flu and covid mm. 
at the same time on the diamond princess i think mm. one or two cases or more but um um i think um from my perspective it was real in wuhan like uh, um charles says but you know that it got so prolonged and misused and and um like shut down of early treatment when you look at my preferred flavonoid which got a clinical randomized clinical trials on covid patients in wuhan in the hus tongi medical uh, union hospital exactly at the gp center and had benefits on the COVID patients, but it's not discussed. It was patented for treatment of SARS in, in for the first time, um, SARS, but nobody talks about it. And I got shut down. I got compared to Hitler because I proposed something like that. It was a well, hard attack. The accent, <laughs> right? I'm, <laughs> I'm not making jokes about that right now. <laughs> Yeah, you're not allowed he, to make jokes about Uncle was, Adolfio, was, right? In Germany, you, you know, German. he was he was Austrian. He was right. an Austrian. It was Austrian, yeah, of course. <laughs> well, I was I was had the anecdote. Uh, my, I had an Austrian girlfriend and grandmother who lived in like one room, bedridden. She went to school with Adolf Hitler. <laughs> they were at the same Ooh. school. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I live right around all these cassette memory memorial sites. My granddad, like went in every school and taught them how you get into such a system because he was young back then and then he realized that he got brainwashed so i was like warned and that he said when you're not allowed to say the other thing mm. when there's no discussion anymore and just you're shut down like with the 77th brigade mm. of the brits that mm. did shut down like everyone around the world mm, 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 <laughs> jurisdiction yeah. all over the um, social media place yeah. um like the germans with their um netzwerk durchsuchungsgesetzungsdurchsetzungs mm. <laughs> according to german law you know these mm. uh, notifications by by twitter yeah. and there's a special german law for that but mm. uh, it's that's the big issue. And yeah, that's we're walking we right facing. into it. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. Um, and, but uh, I, I, I want to get to this point. But what's the time? Yeah, so we'll be coming up on three hours. But um, I want to get so your tired, Joanna, because it's uh, is it one no, thirty in the morning there? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I have coffee and, you know, I'm I'm used to night shifts. Well, it's, um, <laughs> it's, the day is starting for me, so we, we can go as long as you want. Um, I, I, yeah, I think I'm, excuse me, Christy, but I, I'm more conscious of Joanna's time and uh, right. time of day. It's it's middle of the afternoon for you, right? It's uh, 6.30 p.m. here. Oh, okay. But I'm, yeah. I've got work to do tonight, too, not that I wanted to go, but I also stay up till usually midnight or one because I've got my day things that i do so we haven't done hard science alternate career uh, a, a little bit um, so i want that's why i want to drag us back to because i want to get your opinion on so i i have one outstanding question right now which is bothering me particularly in light of nystrom's data which is this 20 amino acid you know we can talk about amyloidogenic 
properties of peptides, etc. It, it, it's generally a, a non-specific type of definition of the disease mechanism. But they, if this passes peer review, and I, I imagine they will get enormous pushback from this finding. But what's your take, I don't know, feel for these prion-specific epitopes, scrapey-inducing, catalyzing epitopes, how I common... didn't read that paper. <laughs> I can't really address um, that. Well, I can, basically... I can explain it to you real, real quick. Let me just... Oh, yeah. I didn't mean to do that. Let me share my screen. And oh, what happened there? Come back. Right. Um, do this. Um, uh, I have... Uh, Is it the, the prion domain uh, overlapping with the um, ENAC? which uh charles uh i'm not sure it overlaps with um enac but the well it's amino acids 532 to 551 in the spike protein um but the um there's this 20 amino acid sequence which is there in the original wuhan strain it's what was given to everyone via gene transfection. Yep. And this specificity for prion protein, right? I'm waiting for someone to turn around and say, oh, we see this everywhere. It's not so much an issue. But in my mind, from my training, um, just what I learned, that we would see this clinically and I, I would argue that perhaps we do with the, um, well, you could, Montagnier's data and just the impact on um, Alzheimer's, et cetera, which is... Um, Arnold Walker has stained the amyloid deposits in mm. multiple uh, capillary... But this, this, this one being specific for human prion protein, mm. um, that's and there's another sequence 601 to 620 which is um highly uh, reactive or catalyzing for amyloid beta so there are there are two here and the two you know amyloid beta i'm like okay you know that's d disturbing but um n not it's not in the realm of scrapey prion and this this idea that you could have a peptide fragment that could catalyze it, and I'll just highlight it there so you can see it. On the Would it look like CJD, right? Rather. I don't know. Um, my question to you as the virologist is, um, why? where are the studies I... that have should be looking at this? They don't seem complex studies to do. Um, well, I say that. I don't mean to um, be disparaging. I'm not so much a virologist that I um, were busy with uh, prion domains. Basically, I did my virology 20 years ago, and then I mm. went into clinics. And in clinics, um, we are kind of aware that these neuro neurodegenerative um, diseases 
have a prion component, but it's not um, that it's um, on the priority table. Um, you know, it's like, yeah, we know we can't really treat it. We can try to uh, mitigate or, or mm. slow um, the prion deposition, but basically the knowledge about that in clinicians is not... Um, not too big and yeah. i can't speak to how often this is in virology terms to in other viruses it's not my background that i um, mm -hmm. could speak to that but so, um who from can we the clinical to? expression hmm? from who the clinical expression that? that's mm. that's the um critical question for me because uh maybe um sabine stable because um I'm she's a protein engineer and actually has done guided evolution, uh, directed evolution on proteins. Mm. And she's really deep into the um, prion um, um, folding and these um, proline um, like doubles that you need, um, like the two proline lock that they put into the um, mm. Um, and maybe that would be someone to talk about. She's not too much into virology, but proteomics mm -hmm. and folding. And, um, you know, uh, generally you have with folding of proteins, you have this interaction with the chaperones, with the um, helping enzymes, you, you like heat shock proteins know, and yeah um the what the chaperones heat shock proteins and that kind of thing um i think that's two different things um the chaperones help fold the proteins and sometimes they like miss um misread um a, a proline due to uh reality and, and different you know there's there's this link possibility mm -hmm. uh in folding and the chaperones help to re to fold the proteins in the right conformation but um there seem to be uh, mutations that um um make them insufficient and maybe that's kind of a down-regulation phenomenon as well in these expression um, situations with HERS. Um, I can't speak to how many of these um, domains that are um, prion protein-like, but I haven't heard about any um, clinical... Um, well, we're just in uncharted territories where... We are. You know, that's why I came to you, because I don't know anyone who's more um, knowledgeable about prior. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm a, like I say, large scale systems and their interactions, this molecular stuff. And, you know, to to be at a point where, you know, it, we're down further even than the prion protein itself. And we're just we're talking about 20 amino acid epitopes capable of doing this catalyzation this is this to me is um incredibly disturbing and if prp the prion protein scrapey epitope is just sars 
it's just in SARS, um, th then, you know, it, uh, all bets are off and we know that this, uh, uh, it has to be deliberate um, at this point. Not that I need much convincing in that in that domain, but that that epitope specifically, that's just too bloody convenient and too um, dark. To yeah, I think I think it would be able to blast it, right? <laughs> yeah, it's but it's novel. I've checked. There's no there's no record of this. See, nothing close. It's completely novel. And, you know, so that means that there's, if we're thinking about this correctly, that the weapons hypothesis is real, that someone somewhere has got a facility like Beck Corba does for these HIV-like epitopes and finding out which ones are really dangerous and how much they compare them down to get them so they maintain potency. Um, but Vetcorba just has a database, right? She has a database, but I mean, it's Los Alamos. Someone, someone's putting that stuff together in 3D and making a recombinant version of it and then seeing what it we, does. We have, cryo, we have cryo depositories for these epitopes, uh, for, for these different um, isolates, basically. And it's it was big in the physician's journal that it was in, Sa, in, in the Saarland, mm. um, Saarbrücken, um, Saarland, close to Rammstein. Mm. And um, in Frankfurt, um, they they got funded by Gates to build a cryo repository, and it's basically that facility in Frankfurt that isolated the SIV two thousand fifteen that is found in mm. the COVID, mm. <laughs> the Georg Speyer House, and Saarland, <laughs> which is found in these inserts written by Montagnier. Mm. And then, you know, it's the Saarland um, is um, isolated, has been isolated with uh, Sweden and the Winnipeg lab. Mm. So, and even Los Alamos was on these gene bank inserts. The German one from the Georg Speyer house mm. was in, was written in a publication and then put into gene bank mm. in collaboration with Brian Foley from the DOE Los Alamos National Lab. So they are all, even Bad Copper is found in these uh, Montagnier traces. So it's like all these usual suspects, <laughs> but you can find them in the traces that Montagnier published in April 2020. Mm. And I'm, as a general physician, you know, virology is long ago for me, but I'm I'm the one translating that in my deposition to the, you know, but there are cryorepositories for these viruses. They isolated that SIV, semen immune deficiency virus from, um, I think, mandrels, in um in this Georg Speyer house and inserted um, inscribed it into gene bank and have it in a cryo repository to maybe use it as a lantivirus vector 
ó, ez mosaic epitope for um, variable Yeah, and this, this is my concern that they're going for this sort of mosaic. And guess, yeah, and guess where the third one is? In Stellenbosch University, South Africa, where Wolfgang uh, Kreiser works, uh, and uh, he collaborates with Hagen von Briesen in Saarland. And mm. Wolfgang Kreiser is the one who also isolated SARS-1. Like, it's all on the table <laughs> mm. since forever. But, Eesh. you know, all these Scooby-Doo spirals. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's um, some it people... It started after after the bad Corber thing from um, Charles. Mm. But after that, that whole Scooby shit started. Mm. <laughs> well, it's... It came after me because I went first and I wasn't supposed to go first. Charles had technical issues for the conference that you're talking about, correct? Yeah, I think a, a couple of people had technical issues, and I was not slated to go first. And then I got, I went first, and that's. Oh, I, I I think you might. That's what pre- I'm uh, talking about. Last year, July, oh, July twenty, okay. July twenty twenty, like fourth of July or something, was when Charles was on uh, Jonathan's stream, um, um, stream, and presented his findings about Bad Corbus database. And that was the moment I was like basically following um, Kevin at that time and and um, Ch- Jonathan and I saw Charles presenting that I didn't know too much about his diff- diffuse um, thing I learned about that later but uh, I was impressed by the Bad Corbett database that he presented and um, Jonathan was like oh interesting we should check that we should send it in to someone um like blinded checking on that and all that and after that it it never came back to that depth mm. of discussion mm. but the whole scooby doo thing started it was Mm-mm. really interesting i was on his stream like the week afterwards mm. and that week i got canceled from twitter <laughs> no. okay it was like but you know he has its his points with the plasmids and the infectious clones. There are infectious clones, but that doesn't mean that the product of it and the RNA um, translated enveloped virion can't yeah just spread. just melts back into a sort of blurry um, background of, yeah, of noise. That's, that's such a straw man um, mm. to to sell. It can't spread. To t- and talk about the spread of infectious clones, we have both. We have the problem that we have both, and that that um, plasmid that is in the um, um, vaccines um, is another problem, but it's not what's causing a viral transmission that you can observe. You can observe the infection chains, mm. like. Like it's like with COVID, it's not even a high variability. It's like four days, four to five days after the contact, you get the symptoms. And then on the eighth day, 20% get really bad breathing problems. Mm. And of that, a percentage gets worse, but many recover. 
with a little bit help, they recover fast mm. if you're early. But um, it I would have, have been something. Huh? Sorry, I mean, so I I have to like change my slides not to recant, but when it was first discovered the plasma DNA contamination was happening and then I calculated the zeta potential, then talking about the charge-mediated distribution of the LMP through the body. You know, Dr. Hazen was talking about the bacteria disappearing in the, the BIF. And yes, there's yeah. This, yeah, there's a study that shows that if bacteria, specifically E. coli, overexpresses a protein, they kill, them, they kill themselves in order to protect themselves, but they don't know better because they're bacteria. So that was something that I assumed before I knew that the DNA plasmid was being chopped up into pieces. So now that, so now that explanation's off the table because they're pieces and not the whole plasmid. So I just want to interrupt and say that that uh, that can't be occurring if the plasmid isn't con like transferring via conjugation to the bacteria in the body, where the bacteria is rep you know it can make the RNA within the you're talking about in the context of vaccination and um the the issue though is anybody's thought now so now then how how would it get into the back so it's sorry go ahead kevin well the my understanding listening to the latest interview from philip was that these pieces could be even more problematic and this particularly with insertion into uh genomes and you're basically taking a sort of shotgun approach and um you know if 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 we're at a level where they can hone these epitopes you don't need like whole plasmids going in you just need to spit out and bit of bit of what would be considered random um noise generally but they have the potential to cause a great deal of harm um and that, yeah. that doesn't even include the expression products from the rna and you don't need it to be super high fidelity uh, again who's who's done the research and the work and the crystallization of these um epitopes short epitopes it's not long i mean 20 amino acids it's, uh, I imagine, and just a part of that, you know, and the 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 cell is presenting everything on its surface, what's inside of it. So with via MHC one, mm. right? So did he um, have those in his slides where he actually showed the sequences of those pieces where we can compare those to? Because there's a library you can go into to do searches, and we can see if they're matches, um, right? Yeah, I've done that. Um, you can blast them, and there's, there's, you just get back. Uh, or you can compare and blast, right? Like you yeah. can compare things because I've compared compared the plasmid when McKernan had the. I know other people did too, and McKernan put the sequencing on his Substack, and then we were going into blast and seeing which epitopes it was popping up. Mm. And but, you know, I I spoke to Kevin and I asked him. I said, "Is this epitope in there, and is it translating?" that um that specific sequence and yes it is it's in frame and um even even if the dna in the lipid nanoparticles is of minimal um impact you've still got the 
mRNA expression products, you're still going to have it degraded. You're still going to have these epitopes. And that that gives you a mechanism for why we're seeing people's Alzheimer's progress. Um, yeah. If it's That's a new rough topic. If it's translated and exposes the pro protein structure, then I'm I'm really fascinated about the misfolding, though, because um, I worked in biophysics as well, and there I was busy with the um, effects of water, and there was a very impressive work of um, a Netherlands group on like electromagnetic influences on um, frequency influences on cells. But they also wrote a paper about the Leventhal paradox, which um, is the paradox, how do proteins know how to fold? Mm. And it was, um, it was interesting because they found an influence of the liquid phase, the cytosol and um mm. I think there's so much research that we need to do. Mm. And what I feel with all these, uh, like, um, big deep state conspiracy things and the Scooby-Doo's, um, um, in <laughs> it's, we are so distracted from finding out answers and cures as if it's like supposed to be like that mm. it would be so great to have the opportunity to really research that and not be in that war paradigm mm. where DAPA just does it for their military or even or not because the military got jabbed mm. with yeah yeah and you know it's a that's precisely the scenario which you talk about and which we've seen right. play out. Which and... I was lectured about by the US, by yeah. a youth Samarit researcher. Like we would do it in like, say, Syria, mm. they said. In 2002, Syria wasn't any topic back then. It was Iraq and um, like Afghanistan back then. But... Mm. They talked about, let's say, we attack Syria with a low pathogen, low mortality pathogen that is able to induce fear, which you then hijack and build your narrative on and the fear campaign and you need to like cancel um, opposition and then prepare like um, the distribution of the countermeasure with which then is the second phase and, the and that and the binary and then it was added and basically my my pi not not pi but the one who was overseeing my thesis um the director of virology is specialist in dengue ade <laughs> and he was also the thesis supervisor or the, the supervisor of droston back then droston knows perfectly well about um ade and he has explained that for the general public and i was like listening like that because i didn't remember um exactly how um that was um but i remember it was a topic um 
And it was a topic in that lecture because it was like, if you then have a surface which is leading to ADE, then you have an impact of the injury which can't be recognized because it's not like immediately following the injections, mm -hmm. but it's following the second contact mm -hmm. or even later when the surfaces of the circulating strains have so so far um, mutated away from the original, um, from the um, uh, um, priming, um, imu the immune priming, that you would rather get the binding antibodies and then the uptake in the dendritic cells and the antibody dependent enhancement. And that's how you um, make the impression that it's a natural event and a natural effect infection follow-up. But that's what you see right now. The people um, basically getting sick after breakthrough infection, which mm -hmm. if it was a vaccine, you it the, it's sterility usually that you would expect from it and if you can get the disease and it's getting worse afterwards for me it's like i the first autopsy result i saw um of a vaccinated was the confirmation of ade for me because I predicted what um, with a veteran with veterinarian together what we would see in pathology, and basically um, this published first postmortem um, case of after COVID vaccination. It's a German paper. Um, they described an elderly patient who went into hospital was susceptible, vulnerable, but was vac vaccinated and was in his course of hospitalization in contact with a positive case. And within three days, mm. he had the virus in like every organ. Oh, three this days is the necrotizing um, encephalopathy no. one. No, it's, mm -mm. one. It's, it's a different one. It was way prior to that um, mm. with the immunohistochemistry. It wasn't with immunohistochemistry, that case, but mm. it also showed the amyloidosis in the heart mm. already. And it was an old patient, but he got in contact with the virus in the hospital and succumbed to it three days later on the prior existing guess, of course, death is usually multi-causal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, he was susceptible and vaccinated, but the liver didn't show sign signs of viral genome. There was PCR done in many uh, of the tissues, um, but the liver didn't show positive PCR, but sh showed exactly the immune activation um, no, changes. No vaccine spike in the liver? Surely. They they didn't do the immune histostaining. Oh, they right, made right. PCR testing from the tissues, and mm -hmm. there were tissues that were positive with high cycle um, cycle um, um, threshold, threshold um, and there were tissues that were with low cycle threshold positive. So there was a difference in in expression, but it took over um, the whole bodies, organs, except for the um, olfactory bulb, interestingly enough. It showed stress. It wasn't infiltrated, but mm -hmm. the brain was, I think. Um, 
but um that case like this the three days was usually not what um um a natural infection course would have been mm-hmm. what i had observed it was way faster okay he he was sick prior to that but um the distribution to all the bodily um um to all the organs was a huge sign for um yeah, they should have checked them for uh, endogenous retroviruses maybe uh, spike protein had uh, triggered them in all those organs. Uh, within 3 days with well, how, how long had it been had he been uh, yeah, vaccinated yeah um i think it was in the range of months but you know, in 2021, um, when I started the whole pathology um, um, collaboration, we were like loosely sending um, um, cases of, of uh, autopsies around when there were questions, and we had a case uh, with spontaneous onset um, Kreuzfeld Jakob within six weeks uh, death after the jab and the coroner said that's why it's not related to the jab and it was like no that's exactly why we would want to look there and christy yeah there's something that i emailed within the group chain that kevin and i are on with uh stephanie sneff and some others uh and then i posted on gosh i hate saying that i posted on twitter because i rejoined that uh um I'm curious about patients who have neuropathy, burning pain, symptoms of AIDP or CIDP, but when the nerve biopsies, you're you're seeing EMG, we're seeing demyelination on the EMG, and you can see density changes in the, the tissue, but then the CSF comes up clean, and I've heard there's all these doctors saying, we don't know what's going on, and then I I asked what about amyloid because you'd have to use Congo staining and polarized light and it would cause the autonomic stuff. I'm just curious if you've seen patients where, or you've heard of other doctors because I've heard it from people saying they don't know what's causing it and that amyloid deposits in the nerve tissue would cause that. But the pathology departments are not doing the test because they aren't being told to look for it. So they're just looking for the standard MS stuff or the AIDP. And I was just curious if you had heard or seen any Anna, patients. Anna has has done staining on amyloid and um, huh? the... Pro, um, Anna Burkhardt. Con- Anna Burkhardt. On the nerve was finding? Um, not uh, not the brain nerves, tissue. but it was like, you know, nerves always go with the vascular bundles. And it was a perivasculitis. So you, everywhere you have your um these these um um nerve um vein artery bundles um going you have this tissue reaction with these endothelitis, and it was basically around the vasculature, um the amyloid deposits. And not too much directly in the um, in the nervous tissues, but I haven't seen peripheral brain um, n- nerves. Um, I haven't. I do not recall that he has presented any stain for amyloid. 
in peripheral nerves, but um, he has had findings that are not widely dis discussed. Um, he found like deposits of um, ferritin and and um, um, not ferritin, but um, heme. Um, oh, yeah. as signs for uh, um, chronic bleeding, micro bleedings in the brains. Mm. Like like there have been like like the tissue is vulnerable and there would be like leaking um, mm. um, blood into the brain uh, over time. So there are other deposits like like um, with the uh, Berlin blue um, staining, I think you um, um, stain the uh, iron mm. in there. So that's what he sh he's shown in um, sudden deaths from like aneurysmatic bleedings. Um, that they have like continuous little bleedings, and that would that's. Maybe you could see that in uh, the cerebral spinal fluid, but if well, I think Christie's merely... question is, you know, when if they're doing biopsies with people complaining of neuropathy, um, not doing this test, yeah, they're not doing the conglomerate no fireflavin um, testing. Restain the tissue, doctors who are watching. Restain that formalin soaked, mm. paraffin anchored. I think you addressed um, Dr. Cole. He he is aware of that. He um, was in direct contact with Anna Burkhardt. And Anna Burkhardt, you know, the, the problem is that um, Anna wasn't so sure that it's really amyloid, that protein, but mm. other uh, proteins. And if he mislabels that, um, then he would be like uh, easily targeted. Mm -hmm. um, so, um What's impressive well, is well, you, you can you can go to the strength of your assay, which is we we have a positive signal with fluorescence, um, and or bifringence, I should say, and yeah. the um, that raises suspicion of these amyloidogenic processes, right? Um, he always said amyloid-like. Mm. So that's fair, <laughs> but um, they also made. Um, I think they had a SDS um, um, and and um, proteomic um, analytics of blood from a patient who got uh, dissection and has these clot formed, um, and it was basically um, elastic tissues. Like he said. It correlates with the inflammation of the vessels, the larger elastic vessels, where you have the micro um, vasculature, the, the um, vasa vasorum around the mm. big tissue, like the aortic arc. Um, the the tissue wall needs to be oxygenated as well. So it has its capillaries, mm -hmm. like the heart has the coronary arteries. And if this uh, um, capillary band is inflamed and like obliterated, sometimes the, the endothelial lining is usually a thin tapestry of, um, of cells, but they are like, 
all swollen mm. and um then you have these um um when they swell they leak um from from the below from the basal um, membrane you have uh, van willebrand factor leaking and all the thrombocytic cascades go on and the complement um system and all that but um that's why antioxidants would be so highly recommend i would recommend antioxidant teas for instance like green tea or something the classics that's why the japanese um have such a good health because they drink so much tre- green tea that's what <laughs> is told so they say, generally here. Um, so they say yes mm. but um basically um that's what i would recommend with this uh, en- um endothelial stress um but um it seems that the area of the elastic vessel that's getting at the, the least oxygen um is getting destroyed and that's where these ruptures start and where anna was surprised to see aortic ruptures and, and vascular ruptures being caused by spike expression and media necrosis like we saw it in lewis that's like similar situation different pathogen basically lewis is uh bacteria it's not even viral um but it had this long-term effect of um media necrosis leading to dissection and that's mm-hmm. what we see again and that's maybe part of the depositions the elastic and um, the, i have a slide where he has this the different um proteins but um the, he did the congruence stains and the spike staining and it was um in these clots you could also find spike stained mm. So yeah. it's it's always the inflammation and the deposition is in the same spot mm-hmm. with the necrotizing encephalitis and the myocarditis. It was just in these organs and not in, I think, not in the periphery, but um, they had described the amyloid deposits uh, in the capillary system as well in that paper in the mm-hmm. necrotizing encephalitis. So yes, I would agree that all these tingling and all this um, sensory stuff might be mm. due to the depositions. Mm. Well, in but the periphery, it, in the nerves, and the doctors, the pathologists just are not doing the proper staining to see it when they do the nerve biopsies and put mm. their patients through that. But you could also have it central because it's only in MS you have these only only clonal, clonal um, um, you have the severe si- the signs of inflammation of the brain. If right. you well, see that on the MRI, right? Yeah, and you can in the um, in the cerebrospinal fluid you can also like ask for the uh, prion um, like proteins like you would test for ta- you check for right yeah 1433 yeah, 14, 14, um, yeah you, the, the different uh, tau phosphorylated tau and all that usually you would but you would need to ask for that mm. 
the normal cerebrospinal fluid isn't tested on that you would have to ask for that what a shame to go for a spinal tap and then just not check that um routinely (laughs) (laughs) always i see them it's like oh you did the hypervirus oh you did the ebv but you didn't do the proteins Mm. yeah yeah but um 26 cases like montagnier showed like yeah, I mean, that's, that's a massive increase compared to baseline. And, you know, who's tracking that now? He's gone. No one, probably. I mean, I, I don't know what um, Jean-Claude and it's is doing. Probably but... also just a surface <laughs> measure, yeah. you know, like with all the patients. You, you know, I would you need hope... very specific diagnostic criteria to say you've got CJD. Right. And the it it depends where it starts in the brain as well. And a lot of people, they might just be going, oh, you've got Alzheimer's, you've got um, Lewy body dementia, etc. And if they're not doing the uh, the full workup and, you know, someone in that. They would say it's psychosomatic. Like my friend's my friend's wife in her 50s has the. Yeah. I don't know if like I mentioned that or. Like we had talked that uh, it was right my birthday a couple of weeks ago and my friend landed it on me that, well, on him, like devastating. His wife uh, was diagnosed with early onset, rapid onset dementia. And she's, she's not that much older than I am. And mm. yeah, but they were thinking Louis body, I think, but it started off like I was telling Kevin with the anxiety. She had the really massive anxiety and panic. I think they misdiagnosed her and told her it was just menopausal mm. initially. When it and I think Kev used that part. was the pro pro dor, pro prodromal phases, yeah. Prodromal. Well, you know, if if we're to believe CDC, um, neurodegenerative disorders are still you know for leading out there for all this all cause death. Um, yeah, a lot of it's uh, vasculature as well. I mean, there's multiple car- uh, categories in vasculature but um very little of it is um respiratory pneumonia in terms of the um the all-cause mortality and it's been like that for a very very long time this is something richard showed um very because ade is not necessarily a pneumonia disease Mm. so so the, the, that sort of negates the argument that it's all protocols. I'm not sure it is because it, they're not they're not being intubated. It's other disorders which are taking them out, and it's classed as non-COVID. And it's a it's a common pattern that we're seeing now. And so, it's you know it's unknown cause. They just drop or don't wake up, like. And that doesn't include the exploding cancers, et cetera, or exploding case numbers, I should say, not exploding tumors. No, the, the sudden drops is primarily um, um, rhythm, rhythmic events Mm-mm, or yeah. ruptures Mm-mm. or strokes, Mm-mm. you know. The yeah. ruptures, I'm so, curious, is that uh, on the MRIs, you know, I've, I've looked at where they show those, and I was curious if that on the MRI, would that show 
Kev, are you saying it would show lipids because we know aggregation is happening through Ostwald effect That's a or question. flocculation? <laughs> like, Dr. Fleming, Dr. Fleming. So we know through Ostwald effect where one lipid, which is larger, which happens in colloidal systems, a larger molecule will absorb a smaller one and then it will grow in size. And then we also know through flocculation, which is positive and negative charges and things coming together and ion bridging that that can also make the lipids come together. And then also you have just the typical aggregation happening and then the size differential between like 50 and 200, I think, nanomillimeter, nanomicro. The I know, that, those so are small measures the, compared to the aortic tears uh, on a Burkhardt chest. With that, you know, if you had a blob like that in 15 minutes with an injection, you have somebody falling over and then you're finding on the MRI. I'm just curious if that would show on MRI or if that would cause that. I have no idea. Because it's rapid, because the way, in, the way in which a cell expresses a protein, because that's what I've managed day in and day out in the lab is has found cholesterol needles right. in some yeah. some like like depositions of like vacuolized foreign material and it's like what you just said like it's did you see it on it, mri or did he have to do dark no, field microscopy no no he did it in in autopsy okay and he was like autopsy. he saw it in the autopsy cases that there were these like um bubbles filled with lipid then washed out with the formalin treatment and then there were these um um like crystalline, crystalline right yeah yes and yeah. that's what they they did a, a huge uh bio um physical investigation into the depositions because of the um like the precipitates in in the like the metals and all that in the mm. um um maybe, maybe what Christy is describing here could be the cause of no that. it's it it was really looking like um when I look at liver cells and the the steatosis of liver is an indicator of liver stress and how big the vesicles are mm. and so you have either uh mini um um lipid uh vesicles inside the liver cells or bigger ones and um this in a tissue like bigger resolution looked like these bigger uh accumulated vesicles like you just explained like an accumulation of material that is like um, pushing the original um, tissue away. Maybe it's exactly what you just said. Uh, mm, it's, it's certainly but it's like, it's a workable um, hypothesis. It's uh, something, um, it's not just, you're not just pulling it out the, the air, as it were. Um, and he was impressed about the depositions of cholesterol um, and said it's too much to be uh, just from the injections. It, in some people, it rather looked like um, it's a combination also with like atheroma beds in your arteries. If you have endothelitis, 
on top of it, you can get ulceration and then the whole cholesterol breaks up and comes into the bloodstream. So you can have additional um, deposition of cholesterol. That's what he found in the autopsy cases. But mm. in fact, and he, there he, made are... a, he made a big point about that as well. He spent a lot of time in his the lectures. Cholesterol. Yeah. Half yeah, the because... he is cholesterol. Mm. Yes. But if it if it's able to sort of catalyze via this Oswald effect, the body's cholesterol. Yeah. Yeah, um, so it would do that. So yeah, all the yeah. lipids, it, it would do that with other lipids in the body. So not just itself. So in contact with other ones, yeah, the Oswald effect where it would. I should look for the picture. Maybe I can show it to you. I probably have it. Keep looking. I'll look right now. But um, Oh, no. I, you know what? You I, need to go. No, no, no. It's um, I'd kept it in our chat on Discord, and so that's gone into the ether now. With them, and you can my uh, last account. But all those nice pictures you sent me. No problem. I have them, and uh, Ryan Cole has them as well. Um, But yeah, that's kind of interesting that, you know, that theory, well, it's not theory, but um, these properties that you've described, Christy, perhaps are just emerging in um, these autopsy cases. And, it, and it, again, it points to this multifactorial cascade of events and literally it's going to yeah. differ but you, you're going to have a heterogeneous response across populations. And again, yeah. that, that just hides the... Dr. Coe saw it too. So it wasn't just Dr. Coe. There was uh, Dr. Carusco. There's three studies that showed that when the lipid nanoparticle is frozen yeah, and then thawed, it's... that they're actually joining within the freeze-thaw process and then the RNA breaks because of the aqueous center and then the oxysterol species in... too. Sorry, Christy. Uh, Joanna, just put it in the Discord and I'll bring it up. It's It's... Oh, cool. Not a bad image, but it would be better to um, bring oh. it up on screen. Uh, yeah, well, that's right. Okay, sorry, I interrupted. No, 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 no. Interrupted you. Um, if you if you bring it up, um, because Christy was sort of elaborating. Um, you were saying Ryan they, Cole well, they've was... already done the imaging to see that it's happening. So Dr. Ko Atel, I forgot his I'm so sorry whenever I say Dr. Ko, it's just Dr. Day, I think Dr. Ko and Dr. Day, D E out of South Korea. Korean names. Yeah, they're they're all the same. Yeah, so so he, Park Ko. <laughs> but he did a, like a study in a paper, the problems with LMP formulations and a way out, but he they did imaging of the lipid nanoparticle and so there's a cell.com article too, but it shows the that they're joining, the lipids are joining the if parts of the LMP. They're already bad as it is. It just mm. makes it worse. Mm. But it's already happening within the LMP before it even gets into your body. It's already aggregation. The, the lipids are already coming together. It's the same way as if you pour, pour olive oil in a, a a pan of boiling water and the it aggregates together. So there you can see so you've the also got the 
was oh cool so what are we looking at right now i don't right, want to say so, cool, so but that's I'm within guessing... the tissue of the autopsy that burkhardt did yeah and so they yes. would have defatted them and there, there are those crystals in those and you can literally see a bigger one subsuming or joining with a smaller one mm. Oswald effect mm. so but what are, what what are the i guess you need mass spec done on the crystals really to... they did they did mm. and they found that's what we discussed kind of uh, not only in the vials, but they, uh, it was with the group that I introduced you to. Um, right, right. That Anna Burkhardt did that. And they uh, found, um, he has lots of slides about, about um, cholesterol crystals. Mm. But because in our body, cholesterol is packed into lipoproteins and not bare. <laughs> Always via the liver, it's packed in different and size. What, what tissue are we looking at here? Ah. If I it's think liver, it's that's written down. It's that would be liver. disturbing. It's not liver. Wait, wait. Uh, it just says rod like elements, and I don't see any label. No, I don't know. Um, but uh, but he presented that as being a pattern that they saw over and over, mm. and it's just an exception um, of these um, uh, um, rod-like um, deposits in there. And he didn't know what it was, but then found how uh, cholesterol crystal um, look and has done uh, these uh, investigations. Mm. Um, I could send you the um, protein analytics of um, the clots as well. Yeah, I mean, he he was... Um, he, he even had the live blood, right, where it was sort of precipitating out. Well, yeah, and that's from one of these um, and that, that was I'm sending you right now. Amyloid, if I remember correctly. Look at the slide that I showed you and um, did send you in Discord. Um, that's the clot, and they find uh, like collagen, laminin, elastic fiber, cell adhesion molecule, by um, binding molecule, extracellular matrix, uh, structural constituent. Um, that's just happening to um, people en masse. Uh, That's a living patient. Yeah. And she had dissection. It's a marathon runner. Um, we had a dissection in the um, like lower limb artery and couldn't walk. Like via falsa uh, all the way through. And um, she gave her blood, and when they cooled it down, it did build this clot, and um, they actually um, did cut that blot, uh, that blob, and put it into um, like paraffin bedding and stained it, and it was full of these elastic fibers, and that was the analytics of. Um, the proteins in the blood and it was like um 
not really amyloid, but uh, these primer destruction. I thought he did do a... That's that study, sorry. That's uh, Fazul and Natal explained that with negatively charged liposomes driving really thick fibrin. Mm. Yes. I yeah. wonder if that's what's happening with the... Sorry, Joanna, did you did you see that study? Gosh, there's so many where it was... Uh, I don't know if Kevin, do you want to bring that up? I'm and I could, to... or I can quick email it. There's so many. Uh, that would... The negatively charged liposomes, it was a study done at the end of 2019, and they published it early 2020, and they looked at the impact of negatively charged liposomes on the blood, and it drove a, the coagulation cascade, but then it caused the body to pull in more fibrin and collagen than it normally would in clot formation. And it drove the formation of clots, they stated, thousands of times faster than what the body would normally do in forming clots. And then they show images of these clots in the areas. And uh, it was due to the presence of negatively charged uh, lipid particles, these liposomes. So the only thing I could think of with the the LNP and how that would, you know, impact that is if you have your lipid nanoparticle with all, you know, the black things or the peg, and then it's supposed to have a neutral zeta potential to zero to maybe really slightly negative, like mi minus two or minus three is what they've measured it at, what Pfizer did. But you've got a balance of, you know, if you have the equal number of positively charged lipids inside and with the charge itself and then you have the negatively charged RNA you know if it balances to zero you're looking at neutral and that's an oversimplification because zeta potential is the charge on the surface of the LMP and that is in relation to the pH so I'm oversimplifying it if you know any, anyone wants to say that I'm not giving the exacts so just oversimplifying it but if you had DNA particles enter that aren't supposed to be there in addition to the RNA, then you'd have a higher negative charge than you're supposed to. And that would, through studies, that was uh, the Carrasco, Caraca, Crusco, Cruco, it's how showed when they changed the charges, it changed where it went in the body. And if it was highly negative, it's going to leak right into the vasculature and then cause these clots. So you'd have it hit the endothelium because it went into the blood vessels, into the the vascular. But yeah, this is that study that shows, and I wonder if this is what's going on. Mm. I wonder too, because that's actually an area that is not, I, I'd say not in the mind of too many physicians. Because at zeta potential and uh, like electronegativity is so biophysics and biophysics isn't allowed in medicine since the Flexner Act of 1910. <laughs> you know, it's like uh, electrophysiology and all that is um, kind of yeah the esoteric end of the physiology department. So. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like electrophysiology is it that's accepted but all out of that um is not really playing a role i was uh interested in electrotaxis during my time in surgery because we used this electrostimulation of badly healing 
like abdominal wounds. Mm. Um, it was really, really attracting um, the healing and, and doing electrotactus. So it was working. Um, and we were getting this, this uh, bellies closed and they were growing. And so I was interested in the influence of charges and, and electrotaxis and all that. But um, that was a really like alone uh, endeavor. Like everybody looked at me like, that's strange, that's esoteric, something like that. So mm. I think it's really important to hammer home this effect of Sita potential that you mentioned all over, because basically from my understanding and in biophysics, I I kind of worked at the um, intersection of biophysics and life, uh, like metabolics and all that, but uh, that um, is, has to do with the protons. Um, which is in biology, um, basically the H plus um, um, acid equivalent um, utilized in the mitochondria, which is then degraded via bi um, bicarbonate, um, um, like bicarbonate. So this is just about to like, scroll off and my. Then Sorry to interrupt because I'm about to lose this question. It's about to roll uh, off the screen. Ask Joanna sorry. what she thinks of impact on pseudogenes, if you get a chance, please. I don't know what that question means. Um, <laughs> I, I kind of got an idea what a pseudogene is, but um, I'm guessing what would... I, I've missed the... May I just draw yeah, yeah, yeah. the... It, it gets then translated into CO2 as an acid equivalent, and this has to go to the um, lungs. So what you said, that if there's a special charge, then it would go directly to the lungs. You say when it's positively charged, and that's what the proton is, Correct. then it's going directly to the lungs because of the gradient and in the body, and because the lungs are the elimination site for the acid equivalent CO2. So that's a typical mechanism in the body to like distribute molecules according to different charges and mm, gradients of concentration. And um and that's why I think it's so important to discuss this zeta potential and the distribution and why it's going into the ovaries and all that. You said when it's um, negatively charged, it would go directly also in the ovaries. Is that right? So when it's uh, Kev, do you have the 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 image of that? I think I sent it in the email where there was a bunch of images and it shows if the, if it's neutral, it goes to the liver and then it's and it's uh, that's, distributed that's in your slide throughout. deck, right? So I can pull yeah. that up quickly. There's a, if it's neutral, it goes to the liver and then it'll go to ovaries and brain and all over the body. If it's positively would... charged, it's going to lungs. If it's slightly negative, it's going to the spleen. If it's farther negative charged, then it's leaking into the vascular. E even if you aspirate, it, it doesn't matter. And it's via the muscle. And they did the tests with rats and they tracked both in IV and with 
intramuscular injection, and they changed the ratio of the positively charged lipids to the negatively charged RNA, my little crayon drawing, because people kept saying, explain it like I'm 12. So I said, okay. <laughs> so I drew crayon drawings. Uh, this, and pipe the cleaners. Oh, so this is, that's the original, that's mm. the Pfizer leaked document out of Japan mm. of 2021 that we all had. Mm. <laughs> but if you scroll down, Kev, the, so there it is. And so this, this, uh, they did studies where they tracked where it went, but if it's, more if it's slightly negative it's going to the spleen but if it's even more negative then that's when it would leak into the blood vessels and just go all throughout the body and that's where you'd see the spike protein being really expressed in the endothelium of the capillaries and then you'd have the negative charge on top of that causing unwanted binding events in the blood compartment because we know through the astrozeneca study that the negative charge on the the virus that was the the vehicle that it binds to platelet factor four. So people who have that, just that mutation, was it in like complement, is it factor five? I feel like I'm bouncing around. So you've got the yeah. negative charge, the tire negative pushes it right into the vessels when we say vascular system. It also has binding event. It also causes the coagulation cascade in the formation of the thick clots and it's charge mediated. So it's, it's directing it there as well. And then you'd have the immune system coming in and the spike protein getting expressed in the bed of the endothelium. And then all the cascades, um, the swelling of the cells, the leak of the um, um, von Willebrand factor, the activation of the cascades. Yes. And then like the EPCR then... pathway, right. And uh, is that the correct one? I'm trying to think the EPCR pathway is a protein C. Outside my wheelhouse, ladies, um, I've let you, <laughs> I might just uh, use this moment for a quick uh, bathroom break as you're... Do you, need me, do you need another slide up whilst I... And pseudogenes, um, I would need to look up that if there's a specificity to that. I didn't look into that, so... Mm. Well, uh, do you want to wrap up or you want you guys want to go? If you still, if you want to carry on, i gotta, I got to get to the bathroom. First. I've got to do that too to the ladies. Yeah. Me too. Well, so we can we <laughs> can let's go sleep. together. <laughs> well, I, we can end. We've been going four hours, and um, we can set up another one. I don't know with Richard, maybe. That'd be uh, great. Um, he can present. Like I say, he's uh, please go and watch his um, free um, one-hour lectures. So it's three hours in total, but. Um, very in-depth um, and uh, a lot of work and people should um, absorb that information. Um, yeah, and I just wanted to say, I don't think that the herbs um, can't be, you know, just think about EBV and that you can recover from that. So I still have hope, still. Yeah, the, 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 the unknown question here is, the interaction with prion and that, that it's just concerning to me that we have this epitope now we're seeing this you know it's coming out of the data that these um prion and even with they knew this earlier on because of the monkey studies that that um modulates herve expression and 
Again, it's a case of they've known about that for at least a decade more. I want to say 12, 13 years since that publication. Um, again, don't put anything past uh, what these people would do with what we're seeing in this. Um... This is just what we know about. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah. And, you know, Judy has done a lot of work of these um, on these uh, viral envelope proteins alone and the uh, neurodegenerative uh, um, disease that's following that, um, leading to ME-CFS-like symptomatology. And um, um, I don't this think... Is, this is why I don't want to go blurting into but, this um, herve thing half-cocked, because the thing is... Everyone has that, right? That's right. just that's baked in. In our genome. Yeah. And so I yeah. don't I don't want to be saying uh you know you're, you're all it done can for. happen with it can happen with every other virus or every other stress or inflammation. Right. Inflammation or stress, psychosymatic stress, cortisol soul level, electromagnetic influences, cell phones, whatever. There are so many things that can stress your body out that need, lead to, um, like down down the road, um, um, effects that can demethylate your DNA and reactivate herbs. But you can re methylate as well it takes a while it's maybe some effort um maybe you need a good pr practitioner who knows what what they are doing but um, well if you, if you had not... some advice i don't know short of remove the stresses um something actionable for people for these these epigenetic modulations what would you suggest as a Talk to Kevin McKernan and Judy Mikovitz about the endocannabinoid system. Yeah, it's just weed, bro. <laughs> Sorry, but you but what know, if I it, it, metabolize it badly? Like people have like, so I can't drink. Just to say this: I can't drink. I can't metabolize booze. I wish I could. It's always been the case. It's gotten worse. If I have, doesn't matter what it is: uh, malt, rice, riesling, vodka. Even it's a little a bit, I'll be sick for days, but I've tried to smoke weed. I'll say this on podcast. I have smoked weed. If I have a little puff, I'm like the mom from that 70s show, Kitty, laughing my ass off for like three hours. And then I want to eat everything and I pass out and then I do nothing the next day. And then when I ate it once, I had a like half a THC gummy when people would have like five. I couldn't move. For like twenty, like it was a solid day for like twenty four hours, and it and it felt yeah, like my body was electrified, and I'm like, I just want to try. So, what yeah. about me? What do I do for my? Do I just take a micron of it? Do I just um, microdose to hit my CBD, endocannabinoid? CBD, uh, the non psychoactive. Sorry to like ask for myself. Yeah. The... Actually, Judy Mikovic said there is a need for the. THC component. Oh, to... I agree per personally, but <laughs> apparently but, but I'm, I'm fond of when I'm high, but like I don't remember. And it's only one puff where I'm just obliterated and I just keep repeating, I'm so fucked up and just like laughing my ass off. But you know, the first pass effect and metabolizing and, and gut uptake of, of that is it's way different than uh, the direct. Um, that's what I, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so I so... interrupted your 
your advice for people when you were talking about McKernan and endocannabinoid? Yeah, I was just I was just talked to these people who are studying endocannabinoids because it's it's a system in our bodies like the opioid system where we have specific specific receptors and these are upregulated in the areas of infection and expression of these probably these <laughs> retroviruses then as well you know it's they are modulating your tissues and it seems like they are the warning lamps for here is a problem and you can like um, dim down the immune activity by uh, using these receptors that's the approach um judy had and um she was discussing about um, methylation panels, and um, I don't know where to get them. I read one article about experimental uh, methylation um, um, tests. Uh, I don't remember how she called it, but um, it's not available for every everywhere. But um, when it comes to, it, it's known that cannabinoids are immune modulatory there are certainly other ways to do immune modulation and i personally would choose an antiviral uh, immune modulative um, plant-based um, remedy if i would have been exposed or if i um I, i'm not taking some all the time but if I'm getting in contact with my kid taking sniffles from school or something, I would take the remedy. I would take zinc just to do it in that moment. And um, you know what? Though, like the last the... few weeks, I just I just gave a break to supplements and stuff, and uh, just Very good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just like uh, just. Uh, oh. You know, I, I think sometimes I, you have to have, take a break from it. Um, it's not. I'm not taking them all the time, and mm. I have my issues as well. And I'm just like choosing for the situation where I don't want to have like aggravated uh, viral infection. The, the I, I really do it during the first three days during uh, during a sniffles attack, <laughs> and then it then it works um, for me. Um, not everyone has such an effect, um, but I, you know, some people need to take it and then they get a rebound if they um, don't take it in, in the things that I um, have seen. But some people um, don't benefit from uh, yeah, taking different. Different but horses it's, it's, for different because it's a modulator. So I think you need to say that, right? Because there's a, people who have been vaccine injured. Who had it's taken modulator. Trex, they took LDN and like all these doctors are like LDN, 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 low dose naltrexone. But for some people, it modulates the immune system. So that doesn't mean suppress. That means it can come in in the other direction and it can drive your immune system to to attack you more. Like if you you had Hashimoto's yeah. and like your TPO antibodies, like it, it could put those through the roof. If you took LDN, it might not have the impact you want. It's a crapshoot. Mm. Or echinacea, like echinacea. Do you know that? Uh, it's like echinacea. Uh, yeah, uh, a movement it's, disorder. Yeah. No, not. Oh, echinacea. the plant echinacea. 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 
Yeah, the plant yeah. that you usually yeah. take for boosting your immune system. Mm. You can fuck every Hashimoto up with that immune modulator <laughs> because it's it's stimulating. Oh, so, so that is the elderberry too that does that. Where there, right? You're not supposed to take that. I'm not sure. If the, I'm that. not good with plant vocabulary. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Metformin too. Metformin has a warning on its label. Is it or not metformin? What's the what's the thing people take for sleep? Um, I screwed it up. Yeah, that has a warning on the label because it doesn't impact your immune system, and that can also fuck up people with Hashimoto's. So everybody's individual, and you know, sometimes (laughs) I think (laughs) sometimes it's also what feels for you best. Yeah, it's it's so intuitively sometimes what you do what you eat what you feel like eating and if you look at animals sometimes horses are just eating this plant when they have a colic or something and they don't eat oregano all the time but when they have a gut disturbance they eat that oregano you know and then they stop if it's okay so um following your intuition and look what works for you and like taking up high antioxidant take clean food like all this stuff that everybody told told you which is healthy it's you know that won't help everyone if it's such a severe pathology but that's why we want before that and we were censored and we're sorry you've got it you've got to think about that this is a long-term assault taking place and so you have to think as long term as possible as well should you wish to um or just don't up. care about it and take yeah, your just life and, you know <laughs> you know it's no but it, it's okay i think it's okay to just say well then uh might it happen but um i think the fear factor is also capable mm. of activating your herbs mm. <laughs> you know? yeah yeah that's psychoneuroimmunology. So, um, a work. I just wish approach. that literature just wasn't so. Uh, it's it's just a bit wishy washy for me. The psychoneuroimmunology. Like, no, no, just the herb and the neuropsychiatric involvement, etc. It's um. Oh, schizophrenia, because mm. there's the herb and schizophrenia, right? But there's also this uh, schizophrenia-like uh, uh, situation when you have like post-viral um, um, NMDA uh, encephalitis when it targets just one um, neurotransmitter and you get schizophrenic after mm-hmm. viral infection, autoimmune attack. That's you have some um, effects in uh, other viruses as well, like the vasculitis. You have that with other viruses too and it's not new the whole symptomatology and we doctors normally know what to do against it but if it's so like totally new pathophysiology wise also then you say "Mm, i don't know they say just watch and wait till they can't breathe and then Mm. send it send them to the hospitals and that's the protocols basically but there's so much we can do. And if it's the zinc, you know, it's like chicken soup. Mm. That's why you would eat chicken soup. Mm. It's all what the grannies would usually to- um, teach you and what's forgotten. Well, I'm, I'm thinking 
with the metal contamination off vape, I'm sure there must be some zinc in that, the stainless steel mesh. Uh, I'm getting all the zinc it, I need now. Intra-alveolar uh, um, distribution is maybe better than sublingual, yes, maybe. <laughs> it's not good for you don't don't vape kids would be my advice um i I need advice everyone needs uh their little you know that's what i say you know it's like all these advices if are if you want to do that but it's Mm. you know life yeah don't beat yourself up and um and make yourself stretch yourself out even more with, uh... I would like to be there for my child in the future, so it's better to care for yourself. But mm. um, I um, also with with the loved ones when they got jabbed and um, you didn't, and you worry for them. Mm. I think they did it because they didn't want to worry, and if, you know mm. that's mm. where we. They didn't want to worry. They they chose to go that way and, and look, man, plenty plenty of people have taken them and so far it's okay nothing um nothing and yet there so. will be a percentage all these narratives about 100 percent it's never true <laughs> never you know there's always a distribution and there will always be some people that maybe got even uh um a charge that um or a badge that didn't work so well um that's what the german group also found that uh, the lipid um wasn't that good that um i think i need to ask them again because it's confusing if they if they it, found it looked, a... if it was better um distributed and and homogenized then there were more uh side effects and the first batches um that they uh, investigated didn't have too many side effects because they think um yes there were these contaminants but the lnp and all that um not the lnps didn't work properly so they found that there was a statistical difference um in the early batches and um it's all the statistical analytics of that is so influenced by so many factors it's i wish these things would have taken from market with all these signals mm. already yeah well like I say, if uh, if we're looking at the darker end of the spectrum, they were aiming for a particular result, and um, like we're, say, we're not done yet. I didn't even want to say it. I didn't. I didn't even want to freak people out that we're not done yet, because we still have the 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 long term cancer risk. We have the the ter- there's immediate cancers now, but there's the three to five years out. Mm. That cancer is still coming. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And. There's a lot and of people dropping out the workforce and there's a lot of uh, sustained all-cause mortality. It's crazy. Mm. It's crazy. And even epigenetic changes last mm. seven generations. Mm. Yeah. Keesh. What a... In mouse studies, it's not, not well, just... The, uh... the sins of the father, right? Um, get get yeah, passed along, the... so... 
the the post war um, famine uh, situation are expressed um, epigenetically in the offspring. There are experiments with agouti uh, mice uh, of um, um, the generation thing. It's not just an Indian uh, mm -hmm. proverb. There's been it's... people saying they think they got the control or they got nothing just to just to drive this home. McKernan, Kevin McKernan, when he tested those vials, stated that when they looked at the lot numbers, they weren't off of hot batches where they found that level of DNA plasmid contamination that they were in batches that were not reported causing adverse events so we don't even know what those levels were in with like when you go to the how bad is my batch.com and the three or top five batches that had the highest number of severe adverse events and death mm. but he found that dna contamination was on the normal batches mm. yeah yeah there's lots to study and uh and the problem is it's it's having to be done in this um ad hoc yeah, <laughs> uh, Taliban jihad type science, right? Doing it in the mountains with the uh, rusty. Yeah, rusty and look what happened. And look what happened to Judy Mikovits with mm. her findings. They even jailed her, and mm. chased her, and planted evidence in her home to accuse her of, you know what? All what happened to her was a warning to me, mm. but. Um, if we don't stand up, right. who's going to protect our children? Well, I, you know, I, I just think they've got this and network contained. It's essentially everyone's we're talking to each other, but it's impossible to sort of break out into um, larger, larger media space. Yeah. Yeah. And it's contained as far as they're concerned. And I'm not sure. I'm not and, sure the. um um what they're like talking did. about the peg out there mostly. Dr. Cole has brought up the positively charged lipids and uh, a couple but of the other ones. You but... see, I see the German bubble, um, like, um, and what is transported into the German bubble is usually, um, um, of course, it's the bubble, mm. but uh, the the communication happens really fast between um, the awake. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, but... it numbers in hundreds of thousands across the globe, max, and they can contain that, right? Um, they don't mind you talking to each other. Um, no, you you're venting steam, and you 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 eventually shut down the computer and walk away, and um, they they still carry on. And that's that's. Yeah. Are you talking about they think? That we have the illusion that we're doing something, Kevin. Yeah, that yeah. When we talk much. to each other, like yeah. that's the that yeah. I hate to say that was a, I don't want to say it, Marxist view, or like that's something that he had brought up too. That we, people speaking out would have the illusion that they were actually doing something because it would relieve their anxiety and that mm -hmm. it was making a difference, or they weren't stuck. Look, in three, three, in. four years in, it's all the same people talking to each other, right? And yeah, if, but you know, that's not really correct. But even even with um, really um, nailed on precision data that you know should jolt people, right? We're still like, shadow banned on Twitter. And... Yeah, but you know there is a letter sent to the CIA director 
asking about six uh, paid-off uh, mm. experts. Yeah, but that's and... that's what I would call it's it's called calling down the mark, right? So all those that have invested time in can now say, "Oh, look, it's there at the CIA," or it, it RFK brought it up in front of Congress. But literally, the words from um, oh, what's that? Senator Johnson, right? He said it. Senator. He said it publicly on a news broadcast yeah. a few weeks ago. He said it to Charles personally. He said even and from a from the public's perspective, from the body politic, we've reached the top. But he says, look, there there are forces that you're dealing with that we're interacting with that are just so far beyond your basically your comprehension, I guess. Is way to think about it and your your reach and we're um we've reached that top level already right it's gone through into congressional hearings etc there's maybe and they are making mistakes yes yeah and so we feel okay we got, we were right and then everyone carries on and the the deaths continue and you know the the uptake of vaccine is low right now, and um, but we're still seeing the same sustained um, data. And in fact, I want I want to say um, I was looking at ethical skeptics. Feed. I thought it was down slightly. No, I was yeah, about it, was, it was up. All cause mortality was accelerating still? up and happened. I thought I said cancers were at least down by like twelve or eighteen percent. Germany was down again lately. Just for neoplasm. Well, he lists them as neoplasms. But ne neoplasms, in terms of the list of all-cause mortality, it's not the it's not the biggest, right? It's it's beyond what it should be, but it's dwarfed by Brand cardiovascular dude. and um, dementia. Oh. <sighs> And, and you know, the cardiovascular are the, are the sudden cardiac or the sudden. I can show it on screen real quick. Um, yeah, I'm looking at now confirming Naomi Wolf and Edward Dowd video discussion yesterday. We observe a nonlinear increase in both the primary 11 ICD mortality codes as well as the less common ICD mortality codes. And there. That's this means that excess all-cause mortality will rise now. Mm. Translation, are excess deaths increasing or decreasing? We observe it, it a seems to be increase. in increasing right now. And, um, you know, how long do you sustain a 10 20% increase in all-cause mortality? And if that all-cause mortality, I mean, I'm... I don't think the young are getting dying of dementia. I think they're getting incapacitated neurologically. But um, what's causing that increase in all-cause mortality in the young? I would say that probably has to be the well, either cardiovascular or um, neoplasms. I can't. I can't think what else could be so destructive on young young bodies. Um, but it's there. Myocarditis, cardiac arrest, yes. mm, mm. sudden cardiac. And, um, you know, 
we, we'll go away from this stream and you know again vented and cooled down we've yeah we've, we've done the cool down the mark bit and um i don't okay but they didn't get the mandate in germany thank god they wanted to have a general vaccine mandate and thank God Arne Burkhardt was there and was explaining that because we were short before that and we didn't get it. Mm. And right now the soldiers get freed. And, you know, it's like, I can't. It doesn't, it doesn't matter for Germany. You're about to be subsumed by another conflagration probably. So <laughs> they don't, they whittle away the numbers that way. Deagle, according to Deagle. I don't know. Just. Look, war like in Europe. War in Europe has a tendency to spin rapidly out of control, and um, I've I got don't... extra bedrooms, Joanna. If you want to come, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's Am good. Am I to... allowed to fly over? <laughs> we we have a safe house uh, north of here of my parents that I don't talk about on the Canadian border in the middle of nowhere with three generators on a freshwater lake, and my stepdad is former military, and there's guns galore. Ready to go. It's a four-hour drive north, straight north in the middle of the National Forest. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, I look, mean it. Uh, yes, uh, you can come fly over. They changed the, the they removed, I think yeah, it was May 11th. The, the vaccine. Moved. Yeah. But yeah. they've, um, I would just say this right now, try and network people and build these networks across different countries and um, continents because... Yeah, this is real. I, I meant that when I said you're more than pleased, like then if the shit hit the fan. And Thank you know, you. I don't yeah. like what's happening in Europe at all. Um, no, it's and we're we're led by incompetence. And look, if they're responsible for what we're looking at on the screen right now, which I would say is highly likely, they will do anything and everything to try to distance themselves from it. And what better way yeah. to do that than light everything yeah. up? Our our institutions are breaking apart right now. We have two inv investigative uh, committees in two states. And uh, one of them in early September, um, no, 1st September, um, we had the equivalent to FDA admitting that they were totally overwhelmed by all the adverse events um, being re um, recorded there and it's just an occasional um, 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 adverse event measuring it's not systemized and um, then we had the head of our uh, CDC like Robert Koch Institute and they sent uh, an adjutant who was Giving him uh, like little notes what he's uh, allowed sorry, to they answer or not. A guy from the health ministry mm. um, who was accompanying him to watch out that he doesn't say too much, which which was not allowed. And um, it's the role of this guy is really interesting right now because we are getting at the points of the people who might have the personal responsibility. Mm. Um, so I think um, it's uh, maybe yeah. we are getting to that point as well with the with the DAJAC and um, EcoHealth Alliance. Mm. 
Um, but if there's really that big of a German influence with the Tongi Medical Center and the Joint Laboratory where they did the gain-of-function experiment on uh, GP120 surfaces, stating that they want to mutate them and check on the glucosylation sites and all that. And it was just like BSL2 or 3 um, lab. And Merkel's visit in September, she also visited Bebasto, that, that uh, auto part distributor. But what did they, it was clean laser, workbenches cleaning with UV light lab benches. That's what they produced in Wuhan, not auto parts. You know, it's very suspicious what happened there. And mm. I, yeah, there's there's a lot of sketchy um, events that have taken place in the lead up. And we're still we're still watching that um, play out. And again, I would just appeal to people, don't get sucked into a Zog war, don't um, just be aware of it and do everything that you can to um, put distance between yourself and it. And look, some are going to... Execute gonna... your rights. Yeah, but some are going to be unlucky, like, you know, poor suckers in Ukraine that getting press ganged into going into front lines, etc. And um, that that could very easily emerge in Europe. There's so much historical precedent for it that you think it can't happen now. You 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 would be really, really. Um, you know, Hamburg was the first target of the Brits back then, right? Um, I would, I would have no doubt. Um, but you know, again, there was there's a far more complex history around that war and the you know who was funding who, etc. and um just don't get pulled in by those networks they're all they haven't changed they're all still there they're all still pushing their um agendas etc and the simple fact is they they look at us like we look at ants and um try... and then they play the nipper game mm. the next thing mm. you know it's like yeah but um... you know that's not a human to human transmissible disease right that you have to be in contact with that animal unless the, unless they do something really messed up with it i don't know <laughs> wouldn't surprise me the but... bangladesh strain has some potential it's said and oh really yeah <laughs> and you know what's really oh, interesting no. that the bangladesh well... strain of Nipah has substrains and one is the Muyang strain from that Muyang case. What? Yeah. I'm almost and positive paper... I know exactly what you're talking about. Does the audience we're just not gonna say it? No. No. Never right. mind. The paper is by Heinz Feldmann. Okay. <laughs> from Rocky Mountains Laboratory, who's mm. German, by the way, mm. from Marburg, and is in the advisory board of the Bernard Loft Institute in Hamburg where he um, is basically was involved in Ebola vaccines or something. But he's a German as well in the Rocky Mountain Lab Laboratory, much as uh, Jens Kuhn 
you know, when you say it's worth nothing what we do and we, we vent, then I'm going to vent even more and tell about Jens Kuhn in, in the Nyad, mm. the bioweaponeer mm. who was sent into vector labs. And, you know, there's an Andreas Kuhn, which really looks like the brother. They, I know, I know so an Andreas Kuhn. He's a Kuhn. I don't know how to pronounce it, but he's a neurosurgeon. Does deep brain stimulation. But that Andreas Kuhn is working for BioNTech. Oh, okay. <laughs> and he's the one who authored uh, the Bloodgate paper. Hmm. With yeah. the blood. Yeah. You know, it's like there are just a few people. I, I think it's it's a handful of people who are in the know and then the um yeah you just you just get mass compliance in the rest of the networks this is what i was talking about earlier with francois that um they've got they got it to a point where most people are just gonna keep quiet right they'd write that they'd rather just get to their well they have to get to their next paycheck for most people next day for me for uh scratching out um trying to live off doing this but the um sure you don't want to join me in what i'm doing kevin and uh helps the mental health of the world uh i've i've had enough of clinical stuff and looking at diseased brains i just want to deal with my own now um i'm, I'm uh well let's see let's see what happens in a um a year let's get past the u.s elections um i was gonna say so i and that might be a thing still because we know that they send bag information and then release it during election cycles in order to sway mm. the behavior of voters. So mm. it, things might change here in the U.S. Mm. within but from that uh, in January. Logic... Like January would be a good month to look at. January, February, if there's stuff they're going to finally start freaking talking about in order to change things yeah i think they're gonna do it they're just not gonna touch it quite yet because they're gonna mm. set the little fires mm. throughout 2024 right i think so yeah same because biden just can't keep going away like no he's just, he's, he's done for man that that is he's he's on the same uh, what's the name of that um senator that got uh oh it's aggressive um Parkinson's, I forgot the name of it. Um, but it's a woman, and she was just, she could barely talk like a month, or a couple of months ago. And I was like, oh, she's done for. She and, and she was good. She saying she was going to do, you know, keep working, et cetera. And then last week she was just, nah, I can't do it. And um, I've forgotten the name of the, um, ah, it'll come to me. But oh, Rover in the chat says, if there is an election, yeah yeah um this stop is... that you we're not there yet None of that it's time. close stay it's... positive come on it's close i better not talk about it because it could be seen as foreign interference mm -hmm. i think mm -hmm. that's one reason why my twitter isn't reactivated because i i was deactivated for a ban evasion and the first one or the second one got cancelled on 8th of January 2021. So it's like... Um, 
yeah and just it's still going on there. maybe maybe that and we were, i was talking about this earlier that like the next thing they can do i don't like i say i think the in terms of bio warfare cards i think that's played out so the next thing is financial implosion yeah ethical said that big crash coming mm. Um, they are all the time trying that with us right now, you know, the, the North Stream and, and all the the uh, heating stuff. They are mm. ruining Germany right now. Mm. Right. Uh, all of Europe. Um, yeah. Still, right? Because last year, the cost of heating, like we were half joking. Because I have, I have friends across the pond as well, because I'm a part of a different, really large private group over there. But, you know, we were joking that, uh, you know, they're dating dating people that have heat when they don't or they're like hey christy can we come over it'll probably cost less to fly over and have you cook dinner for us than it would for our our total heating bill this winter yeah yeah that's uh and then london instituted the daily tax on the car right was oh, that 13 hang euro hang on the kids are supposed to have their bible lesson oh. um let me just go and you, you guys can chat just hang on I need to My, go to the toilet. So do actually. I. We're going to explode, Kevin. We didn't it's talk so about it. Yeah, it is. It is. And we didn't talk about the dead box, really. <laughs> so no. It's like, no. It's, but uh, if Dr. Fleming, if we all get back on, maybe we should set a, an agenda and <laughs> stick with an agenda. I think for we touched. Dr. Fleming's we touched. Back. Yeah. We touched quite a lot. Yeah, the the dead box proteins are really um, crucial because they are unwinding the DNA to um, have copies on it, right. of it, and it's working like a ratchet. So it's like um, walking by, and these um, um, mobile uh, subunits are um, moving, and the dead box is basically uh, the binding motif to the. Um, to the nucleotides. Um, um, so you need these motifs, they are highly conserved and they can be targeted as an antiviral, uh, as a uh, um, inhibition approach, um, for instance. And that's why I looked at the um, helicases, um, but uh, you have them in the body as well, because you would need to unwind a double-stranded DNA in your body as well to copy it. And if there's interference, and I think that's what they you can bind, they can yeah. bind to them. The plasmid, yeah. Oh. The yeah, because it was like... There's specific ones too. Like there, the, like if I look back, there was, a, oh, there was like five or six specific ones rna binding so rna and dna binding but there's uh where it would speed speed up the process and that's where you'd be looking at the like colorectal cancer or the like the three cancers in babies it's not just the sv40 promoter itself but they can bind to the i mean i mean that's gonna also depending on where that lands so it's it's just a, a rare thing but wasn't that the the glioblastoma i think is one of the things that can occur but there's i think five or six specific dead box proteins that, that are like without even like looking back they're like prime numbers so this should be no problem ddx3 ddx5 ddx17 and ddx39 which is not a prime number but those four really specifically 
or just are just random. They're, they're not really, not random binding, but they are less discriminative when it comes to what they bind to. And that if they bound to that piece of that plasmid or the SB40 promoter, that it would just fuck them up. Yes. And uh, the, that's the technical term. The senator was Jennifer Wexton. Thank you, good doggy. And um, supranuclear palsy is what she has, which is like oh. you, can, you can have multi system atrophy, which is an aggressive form of Parkinson's, which is non doper responsive. And supranuclear palsy is just it goes forward and just it's just dementia highway man all, all the way rapid down and uh there's no there's no coming back from that um and yeah i could i could see it a few months back april i think it was back then and uh <laughs> i mean just think about my dad had like 11 days to Mm. Um, from relatively uh, stable apraxia, just not being able to speak, but moving. Being, I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah it's mm. like two years ago now, and um, he started with that um, like seven years ago. So it was clear that something will happen but the circumstances won't really yeah but the the thing is seven seven years into you know once the dementia is showing or the movement disorders are coming through you're at the last um yeah and then you give um, my friend's wife right like she does she knows who she is like my friend's wife knows who she is she just doesn't know where she is and Mm. She's like the behavioral stuff is starting to really go and, you know, not being able to know that a key goes in a door, like the processes of the brain and the steps to do functions mm-hmm. or uh, driving on the same road every day for 20 years to and from work, like forgetting the way, like, like you're saying at that point that. Yeah, there's, no, there's in, nothing you can do. <laughs> it's yeah. just, uh um, so I don't want the brain rot, man. I just uh, I've seen it up close too often, and um, it looks uh, well. It's to, the overriding emotion that I get from those. Well, I say those people, but um, individuals who have um, succumbed in that way, and it's in my family as well. It's it's one of fear and anxiety, as they know they're they're losing it each day. Um, yes, and that's why I love this bicoline as well, because it has a side effect anxiolytics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's what they took first from my father <laughs> when he came into the nursing home, because it's a nutrient, you know, mm-hmm. and the, the nurse yeah. home physician took it away. But it's basically um, an anxiolytic without muscle weakness and sedation and that's basically what we physicians would wish for Mm. (laughs) so that's one of the reasons that i prescribe it um very uh um easily because question in the chat christy was your friend vaccinated i want to say yes Mm -hmm. yes b c and i just hope that it was 
a timely coincidence with the stillbirth. But you know the dementia is one thing. Yeah, and, but hitting um, hitting newborns is hitting the it? next generation. Mm, you know, my, my mom my mom got vaxxed and said, "Well, I'm not getting a baby, and if it's over, it's over, and you can, you know, at least I can go swimming with your little one." <laughs> like, mm. okay, mom, uh, thank you. Mm. Um, it's her choice mm. that. She, you know, and of course, now she's thinking maybe I should listen to my daughter a little mm. bit more. But it was a conscious choice that she didn't want to bother. And that I think it's okay to have it in our echo chamber, all these discussions. How many people don't even get the 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 topics that we are discussing, but someone will get it and translate it down and translate it down if we repeat um um not only the worst case um um consequences but also the hope no. that we see in understanding that there's stuff i haven't shared that i've wanted to and i don't want to end on something bad but uh my brother has uh i'm just going to say it now because it's been really really hard sometimes to talk about this stuff and then i didn't want to share sometimes because I didn't want to be, you know, told that I was just saying such and such because, you know, both your parents had cancer and other care, their cancer is worse and your stepdad is now stage four and my stepdad's now stage four. And my, my brother has this condition called uh, uh, something superativa. I forgot the name of it where he gets growths all over and he's had it for years uh, and it's not cancer and they're not like cysts, but uh, he's had to have like just multiple surgeries and just on tons of antibiotics because there's tons of infection. But uh, I think it was... One of the second to last times I logged off Twitter when my mom called me and said my uncle had multiple blood clots in his lungs at the same time that my brother was in the hospital having part of his face removed because the necrosis was so bad. <laughs> and uh, that's when I just bowed out of Twitter and said, I can't fucking do this. Like, I need a break. I need a break with the harassment. But, you know, they, they, they've all gotten... Uh, you know, they've all gotten multiple, I think, multiple rounds, both both first two and then first two injections and then boosters but my mom called because she's the emergency contact for both of them so they both were in the hospital at the same time so she was calling me to say yeah that my brother had necrosis you know mm. had to have you know now he's disfigured from the removal of the side of his face thanks Pfizer mm. I mean freaking hell so so uh I'm sorry if that was of setting to people but to just yeah like you said to like sharing stories of this and these are just people that mm. are within my immediate family ethical skeptic has lost how many people that are are dead did he lose two like two died mm. in hospice like aunts and uncles right like it was all his family members getting clots it was like yeah. clots central i thought it was cancer and he, he, he just seeing the wards filled filled out if i remember correctly but um, yeah, and they started the treatment too. I think he said for one of his aunts, like they knew to put her on heparin right away before they were even looking for anything. And then him and his wife, I think, were doing the rounds at different hospices. Like they weren't going together because there was that number of their family members yeah. that were in hospice or in the hospital. So his wife was one place and he was another. And so, like, what about all the other stuff we're not hearing about? about it has to be happening 
I presume so. I mean, look, the simple fact we're not is anomal- that... we're not anomal- anomalies and we're all in different parts of the globe. If you're seeing ex- sustained excess death, behind that is a whole bunch of morbidity that is taking place. And the, what we're coming to understand is, is that it's not one thing, it's multiple um, disease pathways being coming into effect. It's depend on the individual environment they're in. And um, most people aren't going to make the, the connection to this. If you can just, you know, it's a sort of funny meme now, the Reddit threads of people saying, oh, I got vaccinated, etc., but I'm ill with this, 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 this. And, um, and look, I, I know someone who contacted me today with his third um, round with COVID non-vaccinated that's mild right now um but he's it it is reinfecting people it is causing um problems still um my again i would just go down to to hide what they've done they've got to go bigger and badder whatever that means actually um, the the herb uh, topic just to close because I really need to go to yeah the yeah toilet. me too but from the uh, question if if you're at risk to reactivate these herbs and maybe it's it's if you are anyways in a situation like MECFS then you're more easily um, um, hit um and that's um people who don't feel something right now might um be might have been lucky but it's um what is it worth if we assume that everybody got lucky and then we over see what we could have done mm. i don't understand the military right now uh, having their service members jabbed and um, rising this this level, it, it, I, I can only understand it from the uh, human guinea, guinea pig perspective. It's like or, or offensive perspective. You want to um, degrade and degrade in a way that doesn't cause yeah. the military which, to react, which would speak for an entity which is outside of the military mm-hmm. right yeah yep. so the private corporations and i think that's where the military should really be pissed off mm. yeah so yeah but the, the the simple fact is that essentially they're corporate privateers now anyway um again and had their fingers in there right yeah you you People's concepts of countries and institutions. Yes, to 18th century, you're uh, we've blown past that, and into, we're into a brave new world of public-private partnerships and whatever other uh, weird euphemisms they'll give themselves for what they're doing. But, okay, then we're praying for God to come in, or what? <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that's the last. Uh, you know, hold on to that card. And, uh, <laughs> Got a hole in the roof. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a song. Even God is coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? 
well okay yeah. i need to go i yes, really yes. Uh, um, am tired now i'm how, how oh I, i'm about how, spring leak so um i will end the conversation Joanna, christy thank you um it was christy, fun it was so good to oh, talk to you like, <laughs> yeah <laughs> we stay in contact and let's repeat that and maybe with a little bit more uh reading than talking but i think it's like we could talk all the time because we had well we I, had I think the feeling of bringing richard in he's got a nice new slide deck at the moment and we can sort of w walk through that and i i don't know about i'm just gonna i guess keep looking at hers and just see what um comes up but you know the literature is not big I say it's and it's correlative all right i'm going to end but that's you... just because of the people that research like you were saying we we're only seeing that the things that people talk about so mm -hmm. we're we're just uh at the mercy of the people that have done or that has been in an interest for them and there are people like john coffin uh involved in the herf publication who was deeply into the retrovirus stuff when you read judy mikovitz her one chapter the the invitation only meeting there she cites him where he says well you say all the sequences we saw in the 80s were real <laughs> they know that this contamination shit is going on forever and her hypothesis is that they want to cull exactly the people who got harmed mm. by this to like get their uh traces like eradicated oh. and i think that's a quite that's a conspiracy theory mm. i wouldn't i wouldn't <laughs> but, put it past them that's for sure. Nah, At this point, I can't. I would. Mm. All bets are off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All bets are off. All right. I'm going to end it. Can't wait to go to the ladies' room. Yes. Yeah, All right. Me too. Have a good uh, evening. Uh, yes, both evening nice for you. Thank so. you. All right. Yeah, bye bye. Thank Thanks, everybody. Boom. There. Ended. All right. Um, that was uh, very, very interesting, um, very detailed, very long. And I, I think it's a subject that's just going to require more and more um, study. Um, I'll speak to Richard um, and uh, try and organize something as well around um, his slides. You can go watch them on his channel um, on Rumble. I can't find the links right now. I really need uh, to dip out. So there's no uh, no outro on this one. I've just got to end it. Laters. And thanks for those that supported who were not K26Rs.